strange times for sure. Sportsnet 960, the fan is here for you. No sports, no problem. Pinder and Steinberg continues right now on Sportsnet. Happy Friday, pandemic people. This is the start to the weekend. Welcome in. Um, voice guy saying Pinder and Steinberg. None of those people are here today. Uh, it's Peter Klein <laughs> with you, Logan Gordon, and Peter Labardius along for the next three hours chatting whatever we want to talk about, really. A bit of news from the NHL. We'll get to that. We have Sam Cosentino coming up in about 20 minutes. Also, we'll hear from Glenn Godden and the general manager of the Calgary Flames, Brad Treliving, just spoke with the media not too long ago. So we'll be hearing that conversation before 5 o'clock. I'm Peter Klein in uh, my wonderful studio uh, here in Mission, sitting right beside a cat litter box. Uh, Logan, where do we find you today? Yeah, I'm in the uh, the Gordon basement uh, in the south of Calgary. Uh, I don't have a, a cat litter box, but I have a couple dogs around me. If that if that counts, that's better. That, that I, I would say you're you're ahead on this one. And uh, Mr. Yeah. Labardius, after a, a day's absence, where I would imagine you wish you could have got to be here, um, how are you feeling today? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't recommend root canals. Uh, it was not a fun experience. It sure as heck wasn't fun after the freezing wore off about 5.30 yesterday, Toronto time. Um, yeah, I, you know, like the old Captain Obvious commercial, my all-time favorite, the first one, I don't need it right now. I didn't need it yesterday. <laughs> I don't need it today. Now... The fact that I can self-admittedly tell you I've probably put on a few during the course of the last couple of months, it, uh, I'm not really in a hurry to eat right now. Mm. Because not only did I get a root canal and we'll you know, get to sports and things people actually care about or, well, no, we're just going to talk. Uh, I mm -hmm. also had a tooth fully removed. Oh. oh. And that... That is much the root canal at this point is almost second nature to the new large hole in my mouth um, <laughs> that I have. Now, you know, there are oh. people out there that wish that maybe there might have been a way yesterday for somebody to close this mouth on a permanent basis. Um, <laughs> oh, no. There's days I wish my mouth had been closed on a permanent basis, but. Anyway, long story short, as I'm good at long stories, happy to be with you guys today and looking forward to the next few hours. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you. And uh, hopefully this is a little bit better than getting teeth pulled. Um, that's that's oh, my goal for today. Is that today's no <laughs> there are very few things in my world that aren't better than what occurred yesterday. I'm curious, Peter, was yeah, the nice. dentist experience a little different in uh, quarantine times? Um, yes. One of the reasons I don't like it very much is I don't go often enough on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And uh, my anxiety, I wouldn't say I have massive anxiety on a lot of things, but being in a dentist chair would be one of them. Um no, I, I didn't find it. I didn't find it much different. I mean, your level of dislike or the H word can only go so far. 
So whether it's quarantine, non-quarantine, I, I despise it. I despise it. I'm very thankful for the people that do it. Um, and I've had some great dentists along the way in my 50 plus years of existence. But uh, I, I've almost been willing to do just about everything to avoid going to one. Hmm. See, which I, I don't, one of, like, which I don't people... recommend. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. Definitely go to the dentist. Um, I'm one of like three yes. people on the planet who actually has, I actually don't mind going to the dentist. I have like positive really? memories from there because growing up, um, my, my parents wouldn't let me watch the Simpsons and my dentist always had the Simpsons on. So when I was a kid, that was one of my few chances to, to go and watch the Simpsons. So for, for parents out there, just like find something that you don't want your kids to do and then let the dentist do that. And all of a sudden you got positive memories from the dentist's office. Well, and see, it's weird. I don't have a negative experience that I can ever say. Like I've never had any major dental work or anything like that. But I definitely can relate to Lou saying about the anxiety and kind of the butterflies in the stomach and stuff. Every time there's just something about it. And I've never had a bad experience. And I've never had a root canal. I've never wanted to have a root canal. And But I can't say that I, I don't get a little anxious before I go. Yeah, Things no, and that, I, mean, I never thought I would learn. people drilling into your head. Things, well, and the sound is just oh. awful. Oh. Um Things that I never thought I would learn about Peter Klein. The Simpsons being a reason that he finds a dentist chair. Okay, now this, oh. this is what I like about what the next three hours is going to be. My opportunity <laughs> to further get to know both of you, and hopefully we'll have a few minutes because I'm interested in asking both of you a few questions, if I can have that particular time but see i've already learned and we've barely begun right see and and yeah we're gonna learn a lot coming up at about four o'clock um we have a segment where lou is going to ask us uh working nice. title is wouldn't lou like to know uh where we're gonna work on that and see if we can mm. come up with anything a little bit better but uh, yeah. I, I was pretty proud when i thought of that one uh, uh, that's not bad pk yeah thank you that's that's what I go for. Is not bad. Uh, so we, we do have a bit of hockey to discuss. You guys were on the show yesterday, as uh, we found out that it was going to be proposed, at least to the players, that the uh, NHL, if they are allowed to return, would do so in a 24-team format. There would be uh, a series of play-in games, a best-of-five series, with the top four teams in each conference facing each other in a round robin to see how those seedings would stack out. So I, I guess before we get too much into the specifics, Logo, we'll start with you. Uh, what do you make of this proposed format that the players are voting on as we speak? Uh, I had some some mixed feelings about it, and my my feelings have changed over the weeks about this as we've gotten longer and and longer, and almost into you know late spring, early summer here, and the possibility of coming back and playing hockey to me in any form seemed distant for the last few weeks, and so to you know actually hear about something that was going forward to the players was exciting for me because I, I do miss sports and I'd like to see it it back in in some form part of me uh sits there and thinks man 24 teams is is an awful lot and you know you got a, a long way to go there if you're looking at a, a stanley cup 
victory a few weeks out from that. I don't. I can't say I hate the proposal. I certainly don't uh, disagree with it. I can understand why teams would make a case to say, you know, look, there was nine or ten games left in the regular season. We deserve a chance to be in it ourselves. Uh, and so I think that this is probably the fairest way about going uh, over it. And to be honest, I, I think the the idea of a play-in game to or play-in series of a shorter series of five kind of uh, appeases those teams and still. Uh, allows them to, I think, potentially uh, have a stake in what could be a draft lottery, however that works out. So I, I think you're you're trying to make as many people happy as you can in this, and this uh, probably achieves that. Yeah, I and am, Lou, uh, I don't I'm, think... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I don't think we have like a perfect scenario with any of this, but as we've discussed, nothing is going to be perfect with this no. whole situation. And like Logan said, like... Is it awesome that the Oilers may have to face Taves and Kane in the first round? If you're an Oilers fan, probably not. And from a uh, from a Penguins perspective, I also wouldn't want to face Carey Price in the first round of a, a play-in series. But I, I I do kind of feel like this is kind of in the middle of the, the most fair scenarios. Yeah, I would agree. When I take a look at it, I like the fact that, you know, if you're going to give – the four division leaders a buy that at least they'll get to play games. So it's not like somebody has an unfair advantage. The teams who have a buy will get to play some games and potentially even reseed, depending on the scenario. I don't mind that at all. Um, have absolutely no issue guys with 24. I am okay with coming back. If you're, a Calgary who under the current format look like they would play Winnipeg in a best of five. I, you know, again, I just, I said twice this week and I'll repeat it for a third time. I'm not going to be overly critical because I think first and foremost, um, the job in many ways right now in our world of sports is about two things, getting back to some normalcy and providing some hope mm -hmm. and some entertainment. So maybe that's mm -hmm. three things. So I'm not going to be overly judgmental. If I had one minor flaw, one minor flaw might be, would I recede depending on how the play-in round went? That would be, and that's as minor as minor could be. So if the number 12 team wins... That means that they would end up playing the number four seed rather than the number one seed. So I mm -hmm. might I might do that, but that's I'm now I'm really being picky, and the last thing I'm going to be right now is picky. Yeah, no, and it, it's it's tricky to do with, with the, the reseeding, but you're right. Like, the, the way it's set up right now, and we'll talk about the Flames path here in a second, but the way it's set up right now, if the Flames win uh, against the Jets, they would face whoever the number one seed is. And it, it would seem a touch unfair if, say, uh, again, just using the example, if Chicago comes in and beats the Oilers in five, that the, the Flames still have to face the, the top dog with Chicago having a, a bit of an easier path, I suppose. Yeah, no, it's, again, it's it's a tricky thing to, to work everything out, right? Yeah, it most certainly is. And here's one word I'd like completely eliminated from the dictionary. Fair. 
You can take fair and deposit it somewhere where no one can find it. Because what on earth is fair and the definition to each and every individual can be completely different. So, you know, whether the word is, is equal or, uh, again, I, I'm not dismissing um, what is and what isn't, but the fact of the matter is somebody's going to find something that they don't like regardless. Well, what, it, 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 looking, yeah. what I'm looking forward to, guys, is, and I asked Chris Johnston, you remember, Pete, a couple of days ago, um, and I've thought about it a lot in the last couple of days ever since, is, okay, it's one thing to have a plan. The next step is your ability to execute the plan. So, you know, I'm excited too today. It, it seems to give you a little bit more to grab onto, but let's, as even Brad Treleving, and we'll hear from him, I just listened to his conference call before we started this afternoon. Let's understand, we got a lot of steps to take before any puck gets right. dropped in any hub city anywhere. So just, we, we get to, this isn't something we've done in a few months. Uh, Logo, from a hockey perspective, uh, it would be oh. Flames Jet under this scenario. How would you see that playing out? I know it's been a couple months since we've seen either team play. It seems like years and years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. But stacking up a, a Flames Jets first round, how do you feel the Flames chances are in that? Uh, you know, uh, in a best of five, as far as teams go, that you would give the Flames a, a pretty good run for their money in a, in a fair, or not fair, but maybe even series. I can't think of a team uh, like the Jets that wouldn't be a better you know, matchup for the Flames like that in the sense that both teams I find pretty equal, both of them with lots of offensive firepower. I, I really like Connor Hellebuck uh, and what he's been able to do in that Jets uh, goal. I mean, we forget almost everything from the season storylines, but you talk about, you know, how the Jets defense was molded overnight in the off season for them, uh, for them to be in the position they were, you know, they've been Stanley Cup contenders the last few years uh, I certainly don't think it would be an easy matchup for the Flames, but um, I think it would certainly be a pretty fair matchup, both sides considered, and it would be probably one of the series I could see going five for sure. Yeah, that would at, that would be at, a tough test. Lou, how do you stack up those two teams? Yeah, I, I think it'll be an incredibly tough test. I think it's all going to be an incredibly tough test. Uh, like Mr. Gordon, and I'm sure, Mr. Klein, you don't disagree, um, you know, if Connor Hellebuck comes back at the same kind of level, but that's where I stop. We don't know what kind of level anybody's going to come back at in its own yeah. way. That's the exciting part for me, um, is the fact that you just don't know. And a lot of who's going to do well when it boils down to it, like some people would go and I get this part of it too. Well, it's not going to be really fair to assess this way because it's not normal. And I'll give you that. But on the other hand, for trying to assess people, when you think about the work that they've had to do, not knowing what's coming next, what's going to have to get done to put yourself in the proper place and the mindset, and then you've got to execute as a team and be successful, this might be one of the greatest, most interesting, fascinating postseasons in our lifetime 
because of all those things. And let's even take it one step farther. And I've thought about this too. So look at last spring. Look at last spring. One versus eight. Four days. Four days to get ready. It's like nothing that happened for seven months mattered, did it? Not, yeah. not, not for basically almost one minute. So in its own way, this is going to be a lot like that too. Because let's face it, we don't know what's going to happen. Once the playoffs start, you wipe out everything that's happened beforehand. And all you have to do is look back at the Flames and the Avalanche. Because going into last year, and I would have been one of those people in part that would have said, well, of all the teams you could potentially sign up for, the Flames had beat them three in a row. They'd had some pretty good annual success against the Avalanche for, you know, two, three years going back. Did it matter one hill of beans when that series started or certainly when it finished? Yeah. Not one bit. So nope. this is going to be somewhat like that, different. You arrived at it in different ways. But I will say this. It is going to take a lot of athletes, a lot of different mental type of preparation to sell themselves on the idea of we're going back to complete something that has been taken away since March, and now we got to go from zero to defend it, determining a champion? Cannot wait, if it happens, to see who's ready to jump into those pools and start swimming. Yeah, it's... If if they're able to come back, it is going to be uh, again. We're never going to forget this for a number of different reasons. No. This whole scenario, we're never going to no. forget. But that's going to be uh, a postseason that we remember uh, forever and ever. Uh, all right, we'll we'll take a bit of a, we'll take a break here because I want to get as much Sam Cosentino as we can. Do want to remind you guys that HeartsAndSmiles.ca, uh, the T-shirts and the face masks, you can only get them for another week or so. We're wrapping things up on May 30th, so head to HeartsAndSmiles.ca. Get the shirt, get the mask, all of the uh, proceeds going to the Frontline Fund. Also, we have something to give away throughout the day. We have a couple of these as we are hosting the first ever virtual hot stove with Steinberg, Derek Wills, and Peter Labardius. It is less than a week away, brought to you by QMM and Imagine Plumbing, Chat Flames, Chat NHL, some behind-the-scenes stories. Uh, once you get Lugo and telling stories, it is, it is a fun night. So you're going to want to be a part of this, and there's a way you can be a part of it. By texting us now, 960-960. Yesterday was the 40th anniversary of the City of Calgary being awarded the Flames. In their first year in Calgary, the record for most points in a season was set. Who set that? Text the answer with your name, full, first and last name, to 960-960. Uh, we will pick a winner and let you know when we come back but yeah this virtual hot stove is going to be a lot of fun and a big thanks to imagine plumbing and appliances your experts in water softening and filtration follow health canada guidelines to ensure safety during this crisis find out more at imagineplumbing.ca sam cosentino coming up we got two of the best i will say the two best draft experts in media in this country on the same show, at the same time. It's going to be a blast. I can't wait. Sam Cosentino joins the show next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. 
Two guys in different spots staying at home, but still talking on the radio. It's a miracle. Pinder and Steinberg is only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. No Pinder or Steinberg today. Peter Klein, Logan Gordon, and Peter Labardius with you today. Uh, very pleased to be joined by our next guest. We don't know when he'll be able to use his expertise fully with the NHL draft. We do know at some point, probably, he will be able to. It is Sam Cosentino, uh, Sportsnet draft expert and knower of all things junior hockey. Sam, how are you today? Great, Peter. Thanks a lot uh, for having me on. I really appreciate it. And, uh, Hopefully, with all the buzz of the continuation of the season, that uh, that the draft stuff starts to heat up too, and I'm sure it will. Yeah, well, it sounded like we were going to get it in a couple of weeks back at the the beginning of the month. We did that. I, I'm sure you're well prepared anyway. But was that kind of a oh crap? I might have to do this really soon. Well, it's I've been chipping away at it, so I haven't uh, gone full bore yet. But I've been chipping away at the work. Um, you know, obviously a lot of phone calls and. Sometimes in these situations where you don't have the, the pressure, you can have some really nice, um, easy dialogue. And sometimes the dialogue with the network does takes you outside of the, the realm of hockey. And so essentially you're just relationship building. So that's actually been a really fun part of, of the work that's gone on to this point. Now, as far as the draft is uh, is concerned, is this still uh, Lafreniere's world and we're all just living in it? Or has someone taken over that number one spot? No, Lafreniere's the guy. I don't think there's any question about that. I do think, though, that there's going to be some drama created by what happens after Lafreniere's pick. And, you know, a lot of people think Quentin Byfield was the guy who was cemented to be in that spot. I was a big believer in that for a long time. But over the last month or month and a half, and just with some of the conversations that I've been having, I'm not so certain that that's going to be the case now. And I think the German, Tim Stutzler, has really kind of made his way up the charts. And he seems to be the guy now that... uh, is is looking to be maybe the number two pick so that's going to be a fun part to watch that's going to be some of the exciting uh part of this uh draft because typically you think about all oh, who's going to be the top guy is it Hedman is it Tavares is it Tyler is it Taylor well in this particular situation we're looking at Lafreniere and then who Byfield, Stutzla, Drysdale, Raymond, Holt so on and so forth so that's going to be the fun part of of the conversation here moving forward so, uh, Byfield potentially moving down, is it more what he hasn't done or what others have done? Well, I think it's a little bit more about what others have done, but I think there is a cautionary tale there because when I look at Quentin Byfield, I look at a guy who I think is a little bit immature. And I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but what I mean to say by that is that his ceiling is probably higher because even physically, as big as he is at 6'4", 215, I think he's still got a lot of ways to go to build even height, strength, and muscle onto that frame already. And so then I look at a guy who I think, you know, he's been kind of sheltered and he's been the best guy wherever he's been and hasn't had to face a ton of adversity yet. And so I think that in small part makes him immature from the mental side of things. And again, I don't say that to be disparaging. I say that because it's a cautionary tale to say, hey, teams, if you're going to bypass this guy, just be certain that his ceiling might be higher than what you project to be based on some of that immaturity. Now, with the the evaluation process, obviously there's one last piece of this puzzle that's missing, and that's no Canadian Hockey League playoffs and, and no Memorial Cup. Uh, not every prospect is, would have been in those games, obviously, but how tough is it to evaluate without that, that last little piece in there? Well, you know what, Peter? I, I'd say two things that are also um, 
a very remarkable at this time of year when it comes to scouting, and that would be the under-18 Worlds. That's mitigated somewhat uh, by this draft class because there's so many late 01 borns who those players would not have been eligible anyway. But some of the other ones who are true 2002 borns might have had that opportunity, especially a guy like Damon Hunt who plays in Moose Jaw who was injured a big part of the year. Justin Barron in Halifax who missed the, you know, sorry, he's a late birthday, but guys of that ilk who might have missed time throughout the year would have had the opportunity to play in that event. And then you have the NHL Combine that's missing as well. So that's where, you know, general managers tend to be able to get face-to-face with players. Yes, they've had Zoom calls and FaceTimes and all that, but it's not quite the same as being able to read the body language and look at a player eye-to-eye, face-to-face. So those are also two key events missing. Now, getting back to the Memorial Cup, getting back to the CHL playoffs, Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime you get an opportunity to watch players in high-leverage situations, you want to take that opportunity. You want to see how they respond when they're banged up a little bit, when there's adversity in front of them and those types of things. And that's what the playoffs typically presents um, to the scouts. So, And a guy that I'll kind of earmark and go backwards a little bit is Quentin Byfield. I mean, you look at him at the World Juniors, he started out at camp as being a guy who was probably a top-six guy by the time the World Juniors had ended. I don't even know if he played a minute in the in the gold medal game. So you're looking at a guy who, you know, then he goes to the prospects game. He's just okay there. He's not outstanding. I think it was a good time for him to get in that showdown against Lafreniere. Didn't really do much in that game. So when it comes to high leverage situations, such as the playoffs, such as the under-18s, you want to see players perform in those events. And I think maybe a, a, an average grade for a guy like Byfield in situations like the World Juniors, and the top prospects game. So definitely those are important times to evaluate. In conversation with Sam Cosentino here on Pinder and Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Logan? Uh, Sam, I'm curious as to what you think uh, the impact of a potential later draft might have on some prospects potentially making a jump uh, immediately from their draft year into the NHL. I don't know how many of the prospects you would feel Maybe outside Lafreniere had a chance to do that, depending on where they get drafted, obviously. But can you see a later draft maybe having an impact on some of those teams maybe being hesitant to, to draw a guy right into the lineup with less time in their system? Well, it's funny you say that because there's, it's, it's a two-sided coin. Uh, but the way I look at it, there's probably only a handful of guys that would have been able to make that jump in any event. But there's one way to look at it and say, well, we haven't had enough time to show scouts. The flip side of that is if you happen to have some resources and you happen to have some good guidance with your personal people and your personal trainers, you might be able to take advantage of that time and build yourself a better body, a stronger body. You might be able to, with lower body work, make your skating better. You might be able to stick handling on fake ice, improve on all those areas, and you might surprise some people when you go to camp. So I think it is a two-headed coin. The other thing that you have to consider here is what kind of rules are going to be put in place by the National Hockey League based on when this, this draft takes place. Now, if you're a team that drafts a player like a, like a Raymond or a Holtz, for example, and you think that player is good enough to come over right away, is it a situation where you have the agreement? Is the agreement going to be allowed, allowed to, to be enforced? Will he have already started a season um, playing in the Swedish League? So those things all have to be taken into consideration and way, way above my pay grade, boys. <laughs> Uh, you actually mentioned the, the next name I was going to mention was uh, was Lucas Raymond. Uh, I'm curious if there's still a um, an added value for a young man to play in a league like the SJHL uh, in you know sort of above his age group. Do NHL scouts still see that as an advantage 
heading into a draft, or are they okay seeing you know Canadian content or players against each other at the junior level? Well, some of these guys are tweeners, especially those that play in Europe. And I think Raymond was exactly in that situation this year. And there are circumstances, maybe team situation, where the team's a little bit better, it's a little bit older, and so they can ill afford to play their younger guys as much as they would have liked, so they don't get the kind of playing time. So it was very intermittent, especially for Raymond, whenever he was in the SHL. A guy like Holtz played a little bit more regularly at about 10 minutes per game, more third-slash-fourth-line minutes, but still a little bit more to kind of get a read on on what he's able to do against men. So when I look at that situation for Raymond in particular, you would have surely had to do your due diligence on him going back to Valenka Gretzky when playing against his peer group and also in the rare situation where he was able to get minutes in the SHL. But you also have the World Juniors. You know, there are some events there uh, that if you really pick and choose and, and you've scouted accordingly, that you should have been able to see him plenty enough, uh, you know, in key situations. Uh, speaking with Sam Cosentino, we're talking all things about a potential NHL draft. Uh, now that me and Peter have gotten our uh, questions out of the way, the main event, of course, now, Mr. Lubardius, uh, you're all in with Sam. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know Sam very well. Um, maybe I can ask a few questions uh, acquainted. Uh, I remember you and I uh, being in the car together after last year's draft last summer. And I think, uh, you know, you were the first to point out we talked. We'd both seen the Halenka Gretzky tournament in Edmonton the previous year and both had a pretty good feeling that first round you'd have to go a long ways for teams not to end up with a pretty good player now I know we didn't get to see it in earnest but you probably don't feel a whole lot different about this class no I I love this group and I think in part Pete because you're looking at especially in the high end plenty of late 01 so it's like you know those guys have had their extra year or those extra time to be able to make that impression upon scouts and maybe play internationally in some different situations than your regular born birth class. So if you can have those situations early on in your career where as an underage player you're playing uh, above your age group and still have success, that's usually a good mark and it sets the tone for how you're going to be scouted moving forward. And I think what you would make crystal clear too, and this hasn't always been the case, but this is a really, really good year for players in our country of Canada, which hasn't always been the case the last few years, has it? No, it's been a, it's been a, a bit of a dip and a dive. And, and a couple of things back to there, Pete, is you look at you know the number of Canadian players, and then if you were to break it down more to specifically about players that played in the Canadian Hockey League in each of the three leagues, you would have been able to pick out a year in, in maybe the last five where you say, oh, wow that's a really strong year for the dub or that's a really strong year for the Q or the Ontario Hockey League had a lot of success in this particular year. When I look at this year, the 2020 uh, draft, now I'm thinking about, oh yeah, the dub. Hey, there's some guys sneaking up on you there. You look at Braden Schneider and Ridley Gregg. Um, you talk about Damon Hunt. Is he going to be that guy? Jake Neighbors uh, out in Edmonton. Um, so you're talking about a lot of, of high-end guys. And then I go to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. You think about Maverick Fork and Hendricks Lapierre and 
Justin Barron, and the list moves on from there. And you could say the very same things about what's happening in Ontario, um, you know, with the likes of Jamie Drysdale and Quinton Byfield and so on and so forth. So this is a year for me, maybe the most that I can remember in, in the years covering it, where you're seeing great balance between the three CHL leagues and in numbers as well. And so that's uh, something I'm really excited about for sure. No, I'm not going to get you to give away any of your trade secrets. You've done such an amazing job since you've been in that role and since the draft has become a big part of what you do. But I would ask this, my friend. Are there one or two players that I wouldn't say took you by storm this season in your viewings and in your preparation, but would one or two guys come to mind when I ask you that question? Uh, a couple of guys. So Dawson Mercer would be the first one. I knew he had a good year last year in Brownville. I knew he was playing more back of the bus. So for him to have a good year, you know, really took something for him. But I liked his awareness, his intuitiveness, that when he came back this year, he basically said, you know what? Yeah, I don't want to live on last year. I was on a good team, and so everyone's going to think that I got my numbers based on me playing on a good team. He took the approach to say, like, hey, even without some of these older guys around, I'm really good, and I'm going to show everybody that I'm really good. And for him to go out there and impress and make the World Juniors, huge accomplishment. And then the year he had getting to meet the young man just to see how passionate he is and how happy he is and the kind of countenance he presents, awesome. So he's one guy. Another guy who I was really impressed with, I think, is Jake Neighbors. Um, had the opportunity to speak with him. He grew up in kind of an interesting family situation and is open about the divorce of his, uh, you know, his mother and father and how both sides have found a way to have common ground where they can still get along and and have been able to kind of show him and, and provide him with what he needed as a young man growing up, despite the difficult family situation. And so when I look at his game, it's got a little bit of that. And you and I talked about this the other day, Pete. You call it a Mike Richards-esque type of game. But I look at a guy who's got a game that I think really plays now. You're talking about a guy who can bump and grind, who can get under your skin like Matthew Kachuk, which is a guy that he's proud to say that he um, looks at as an idol. Yet he has the ability to score. He goes to dirty areas. You know, he skates pretty good. So there's a lot to like about that particular player. So those were two guys for me that I think really jumped out this year. Um, but, Pete, you know, a lot of what I base my stuff on is, is getting just to shake a hand, look a guy in the eye, you know, speak face-to-face -face with them and, and get a real sense of what the person is all about. And then once you make that determination on what you feel about the person, then you can look at the player and, and, and make that judgment and, and make that judgment without being clouded by something that, you know, that might take you away from what he does on the ice. Okay, so now I'm, I'm going to get more to you, if it's okay. Sam, Sam and I did our first Memorial Cup. <laughs> we did our first Memorial Cup together in 2006. And, uh, you know, we're really, really good friends. And I'm so proud of this guy and, and what he's done. And he should be in Kelowna calling another one right wow. now. Um, and, and, again, I don't like to bring up bad things. But um, when that journey outside of you still tell people that the first game we do, did together was an American League game in 04, and you said you thought I was ready to stab you that night, that's not completely <laughs> true by any stretch. Somewhat. But, well, anyway. <laughs> but um, 
you know, you've been doing such a great job with it since 2006, which is in Moncton. Um, can you believe how many years have gone by? And would you have ever imagined the impact that being the color analyst in the Canadian Hockey League and what it's meant to your world? Well, it's, it's meant everything to me. It, it really has because, um, you know, there was a time there where I was doing some lacrosse and doing some baseball and still being able to do the CHL games, which is the original reason why I committed full-time to Sportsnet some 15 years ago. Uh, but to be perfectly honest with you, the, the way it's worked out and the reason why I think I, I have such a good network of people across the CHL is, is all the stuff that you taught me. And, and I don't want this to be, you know, a kiss-ass session or whatever else, but, but, you know, for you, Peter, and for you, Logan, to get introduced to Pete in the American Hockey League, which, quite frankly, I didn't really know what it was, to get introduced to the Western Hockey League, which I knew what it was but hadn't been ingrained into it whatsoever, and for Pete taking me along on those rides to say, hey, man, you better go to practices, you better go to games, even when you feel awkward about it, you better go down and talk to coaches and talk to as many people as you can. So taking that cue and, you know, traveling early and making extra drives to go and watch games or practices when you probably didn't have to do it, those were all important steps in, in kind of creating, um, you know, what it is I do today with the draft and, and my work in the CHL. So you, you've played a much larger part than that, Pete, than you'd ever wanted to admit. But the fact of the matter is you instilled that work ethic into me, especially in areas where I wasn't really comfortable. You know, I knew about baseball. I'd been around baseball my whole life. It was easy to talk to people in that game. Lacrosse, the guys are all like you and I, so it's easy to talk to people in that round. But getting into the CHL and the AHL where things were uncomfortable for me, um, you, you were a guy who kind of forced me to go and, and do the due diligence, and I think that's why, you know, it's been able to kind of morph into this draft thing. So I want to thank you for that, but... It, honestly, the, the CHL has meant everything to me. It's, it's unbelievable people who are underpaid, who work extremely hard, and uh, a bunch of amazing owners, general managers, coaches, scouts. Uh, I can't uh, you know, thank you enough for introducing me to that world and, and telling me how to go about my business the right way because, uh, boy, I don't ever want to think about uh, the days where I'm not able to do it. And, and luckily enough, we're, you know, we're still able to, to, to do it and be a part of it, and I'm thankful for that. Yeah, well, I mean, you're being far too kind because for those people who don't know Sam, uh, in all my years of being around the sport, I'm not sure I've ever seen someone have two things that he has. I've never seen anybody who maybe wasn't exposed to the game like some other games pick up the game as quickly to be able to analyze it, to break it down, and more importantly... Um, this guy's likability meter is off the charts. Unlike me, who could rub somebody wrong in a in a one car parade, this guy this guy never this guy just his likability factor. And there's a reason he's been able to take this venture and do such incredible things. I want to ask before we go um, the Memorial Cup itself. Now there's. There's so many memories, and I say to people, um, for me personally, and I don't even know if I've ever even asked you this question. We've been friends for a long time now. Um, for me, there was just nothing ever like that feeling on the Saturday night in anticipation of the final Sunday and knowing that we were going to get a chance to broadcast it to the country and all that work and all the culmination. For you now, which would have been, I think, 
number 15 or number 16. Is, is there something that just stands out, my friend, about what you've enjoyed most about that part of your job? Well, in, you know, working in the CHL, the, the numbers aren't always the greatest. The, the respect of property is given isn't always the greatest. It's not always on the, you know, on the front of everyone's mind. So the Memorial Cup is a time when, you know, you can take that and, and it becomes a, a frontline event and it becomes something that, that people pay attention to. And it becomes a, a property that gains some respect, although it should have that respect all, all year round. But it does have it more prominently during those two weeks in May. So I enjoy that part of it because I enjoy telling the stories of our young men and telling the stories of our great coaches and where they've come from and where they've gone to and telling stories about uh, adversity and, and about trying to not only entertain people with the games that we're showing, but inform them as well. Hey, do you know this about that guy? Or did you know this about that player? Or do you know what happened to this guy? So I enjoy that part of it, being able to tell the stories of of the great people um, in the Canadian Hockey League. So that part has been supremely enjoyable. But having that feeling, you know, before the final where you're trying to analyze and you're trying to uh, handicap it and prognosticate, hey, what's going to happen? And then you go out and you get something entirely different from what you expect or you kind of roll back on the, on, the, on the games throughout the course of the week and you're like, I can't believe this happened or, you know, all these, these things that over the course of the week when the story builds to the final game, that have actually taken place to get you to the final game. And that's probably the part we miss, we miss most. But to be perfectly honest with you, Pete, it's like you talk to a hockey player who's retired. And what do they tell you is the thing that they miss most? They tell you that they miss the room. They miss the guys. And honestly, what I miss most, as much as being in Kelowna is a fantastic place, what I'll miss most this year is not being able to have a beer with the guys after the game and a great night's work and being able to shake everyone's hand or pat them on the back and say, hey, thanks for the great replays, thanks for the direction, to producing all those sorts of things. It's about being with the group of guys and having that experience, and that, uh, men and women for that matter, and having that experience with them. So you have someone to go along on the ride with, and that's probably what I'll miss most about uh, this, which would have been my 15th. Well... As you know, and I, and I know we share this very much in common, you know, the games are one thing and, and preparing and, and doing the shows. But, you know, and maybe someday we'll have our own podcast or our own show and um, the stories, you know, whether it's our good friend, Mr. Falds, RJ, who I had the pleasure of working with, um, you know, that event just each and every year which you've been able to do for a long time it just it's it's about the people in the truck and the people that produce and the people that produce the openings and the tape guys and i mean it's it's nine or ten days of just it's about team and it's like you said that's so well said my friend because um the thing that i love the most about it and cherish the aid I was lucky enough is that for those couple of weeks it was a team and it was people to this day that they loved the product they loved putting on the event and you're right it's you don't miss the games as much as you miss the conversations and the camaraderie yeah, uh, amen. Going to the morning skates, having a coffee, maybe Ugh. taking off the the one extra beer you had the night before. Although that's not a case for you, but has been for me on occasion. And and just getting well, I was a good driver. And... Yeah, you ain't lying. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, we're, we're lucky, guys. And Peter and, and Logan, thanks for, you know, the opportunity to kind of reminisce a little bit and, 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 and speak positively about the league and, and about the people we work with. It's, um, you know, I really appreciate that opportunity because uh, getting to the point now where I'm really, really starting to miss it. Yeah, of course. Glad, uh, glad we could let you guys reminisce there. That was that was some fun listening. I, I do have a couple more questions here as we wrap things up today. Uh, you guys talking about the the broadcasts and the guys in the truck and that kind of camaraderie. Um, I, I would imagine that it's something similar with an NHL draft broadcast as well, and that's definitely not going to be the case this time around with everyone being in person. I would imagine. Have you guys had any talks about how different an, an NHL draft broadcast is going to look like this year? Well, it's funny. I, I I completed a piece a couple of days ago, and I don't know if it's been posted yet on uh, on .ca. But I made some suggestions as to how I thought you might be able to kind of make this an entirely different experience for everybody. But getting to the broadcast itself, I think you know it's it's even a little too early to say that we're not going to have. I mean, it's not going to be in Montreal. And it's not going to have the hoopla of the drafts that I've done for Sportsnet since you know since we uh, took over the rights. But it still is a situation that I think may end up being a little bit different and a little bit bigger than what people might anticipate. This has to do in large part as to when they decide they're going to play, if they decide that, and then from there decide when the draft's going to be. Let's be honest here. The general managers all want this thing to be done uh, after the season's over so that they can conduct their course of business in as regular a manner as possible. So we might be looking at something that takes place in September, or October, or November, and who knows what our world looks like then. If they can have it at a small gathering, if they can bring the players in and give them that on-stage experience. So I think it's a little too early to say that, hey, we're all going to be in a virtual place like the NFL was and have the draft that way. So I'm kind of anxiously awaiting and hoping that they wait a while so that they can conduct business as close as possible and that we can be a part of, of that team that you talk about. And uh, last one for you. you. You mentioned in there before that uh, in, in a previous life you were working very close with baseball. They're having a bit of a time figuring out what to do and how to come back. If they come back, what have you made of everything coming out of Major League Baseball right now? Well, they're boneheads. All of them. All of them are boneheads. I mean, let's go, let's go back to 94 and, oh, yeah, well, we better go on strike. And, oh, yeah, well, we better have another labor dispute. I don't, like... There's a lot of people that I run into now that say, yeah, I just never came back after 94. And if this were, and if there were a stoppage based on the, on the health situation that we're in that fell outside the confines of people not, being, uh, not feeling safe enough to do their jobs, and they simply did it for, hey, I don't want to take the pay cut, I don't want the 50-50 split, so on and so forth, then they're boneheads and they deserve everything that's coming to them. I do think, though, that baseball has always had hardline posturing by both sides. So this is really no different than what's happened in the past. Are they going to get to that place where they're not going to play because of things outside the house? If they do that, I think the game's going to be in some big trouble. Perfectly put, and a great place to end this off. Sam, thank you for doing this today. That was a lot of fun listening to you and Lubo chat. Uh, hopefully we'll get to do it under better circumstances soon. Yeah, Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Pete, Logan, and Pete. Appreciate it, guys. Thank Thanks, you. Pal. That is uh, Sam Cosentino, our draft expert, and he joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Working hard to reopen soon for sit-down drinks and dining, Atlas Pizza is still open for pickup or delivery by calling 403-248-3344. That's 248-3344.
four. Boy, wheel would be really good right now. Uh, but boys, that was a, a fun chat with uh, with Sam Cosentino there. Yeah, Sam said well, uh, thanks for the for the time to reminisce with him and Lou. Uh, thanks to Sam and Lou for reminiscing. And I don't know about you, PK. We're pretty young in this industry, and I know I count myself lucky to work with Lou and to hear him and Sam go like that was uh, pretty cool. Well, I, I can just say that, you know, you treasure a lot about what you're able to do. And, um, you know, Sam's one of my best friends. I, I love him to pieces. I'm so incredibly proud of what he's done with that property. And, you know, he's really taken it in so many different ways to a different level. And, um, you know, I'd take a bullet for him and, and just wish him nothing but the best. And, um, you know, after being in this business for nearly 36 years, you know, and I've taken a lot of time to think about it, guys, and, and reflect, but I've always said this, and I'll never stop saying it, there is nothing better than when you do something that you love to do, something that you love to do. Yeah, I, I thought of it after 2011 I'm not gonna lie it, it 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 was it was really hard um that tournament for me is is so special and being in that role but um getting to know Sam and it was John Drews who was such a spectacular guy Rob Falls is just one of the kindest funniest people you know when you've been around for a long time, as much as, like I said earlier with Sam, it's, it's about the games and, and you're excited and all that. What, it, what it's really about guys is it's the people. And I've been so, so lucky. And um, like I said, Sam's, I have no trouble saying it. He's just one of my, one of my favorite humans on planet earth. And, and I'm so, so proud of him. Uh, yeah, no, he, uh, amazing work and has been very receptive every time that we've asked him to come on. So happy we could do it again here today. Time for us to take a break already. One hour in the books. Uh, still to come on the program today, we will hear from Flames GM Brad Treliving as he met with the Calgary media not too long ago. We'll hear from him. Lou is going to ask us questions. We are going to ask you questions and give you a chance to watch the virtual hot stove as well. But when we come back, Glenn Godden it has been quite the 12 months for that young man. We will chat with him on the other side here on Pinner and Steinberg without either of them on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Talking sports, pop culture, life, and anything else. Your afternoon diversion is right here. Stream online at sportsnet.ca slash 960. Download the Sportsnet or Radio Player Canada apps. Pinner and Steinberg are on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Just after 3 o'clock as we continue on, no Pinder or Steinberg today. Peter Klein, Peter Labardius, and Logan Gordon with you throughout the afternoon. Very pleased to be joined by our next guest, Glenn Godden, uh, is joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, Glenn, we ask this all the time, but it, it feels a bit more impactful now. Um, how are you doing right now? I'm doing all right, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, obviously, it's still an unfortunate time, but trying to make the most of it and um, doing what you can to, I mean, stay active, get outside, and try to do your uh, regular things. Yeah. So, how is uh, pandemic life treating you now that we're uh, a few m months now, really, into this thing? 
That's treating me all right. Um, I think everyone's kind of in the same boat right now with uh, things you can do. So, uh, like I said earlier, just trying to make the the most of it and um, doing what I can. Um, as far as what's going on with the, the National Hockey League right now, there's a, a vote going on with the Players Association from the sounds of it as we speak with different formats and whatnot. How in the loop are you staying with, with all of that that's going on at this point? I'm doing the best I can. Um, watching the news every day and trying to read as much as I can. So I'm uh, trying to stay informed that way. And if anything really big happens, Calgary's done a good job at keeping us informed. So um yeah i've been i've been doing uh, as much research as i can and at this point now you're just hoping that uh they'll find uh, a way to bring the season back chatting with glenn godden here on pinder and steinberg on sportsnet 960 the fan i'm peter klein he's logan gordon uh glenn i'm, I'm just curious as to uh how the last few months have gone for you you guys go from being in a pretty heated playoff battle to suddenly season stopped and now season's over how does that uh work for you when you're you know middle of a playoff race and then uh, everything suddenly stopped and your season's over yeah it was a a bit of a a different uh situation obviously nothing anyone's uh done before and it was just unfortunate we were having a a good season down in stockton um i think everyone was uh, looking forward to making a deep playoff run so for that to be cut short is um i mean unfortunate and um now that I've been home, uh, I took a little bit of, of time off just to kind of um, reset and let the body relax a bit. And then now, probably the last uh, month or so, I've been trying to get back into uh, a routine of, I mean, training and whatnot. Uh, my friend, a uh, close friend of mine, has a gym in his garage, so I've been fortunate enough to, to work out there a couple of times. And um, now recently, I've been I've been working out with my trainer, so uh, trying to make the most of it. And um, I mean trying to stay active and in shape for um, anything that can happen. And I, I guess I should ask the question, are you are you trying to, to keep yourself as prepared as possible if Calgary does give you the call and maybe some of your Stockton teammates to, to join them in a potential playoff race? Is that kind of the main focus for you right now? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I, I have an idea that if it does come up, um, I think I'll be going, so definitely trying to stay in, in shape and uh, it's tough right now to get onto the ice so without doing that I mean I'm shooting pucks or whatever you can outside to um, try to simulate uh, being on the ice. Mentally what's what's that do you have any expectation for what that'll be like to to go from zero to a uh, hundred in an NHL playoff race like that how do you prepare for that uh, mentally I know physically you mentioned going to the gym and that sort of stuff but but mentally, uh, have you had any thoughts about what that might be like? Uh, I have, but to be honest, expectation-wise, it's pretty hard to, to have any. It can mm-hmm. kind of go any way, uh, it seems like right now. So uh, I'm just ready for whatever um, comes my way or whatever happens. Uh, and I got, I got one more for you. Uh, your second year in Stockton, uh, as the season winds up being canceled, you wind up leading the, the team in points. Uh, how did you feel your second year pro with the, the AHL club went uh, compared to your first year? Uh, I thought it went a lot better. Uh, I think I took a, a big progression uh, in my second year this year, and um, I had a lot of confidence, and I think kind of throughout the year it was building and building. And, um, like I said earlier, obviously it's unfortunate that um, this has happened because we had a good season and, uh especially um our whole group everyone's having good seasons and myself included so it's unfortunate but uh i mean 
looking back on it, I think I had a good year, and hopefully I can build on that uh, if this season uh, comes back or next year. We're chatting with uh, Stockton Heat forward and Calgary Flames prospect Glenn Gordon here on the show this afternoon. Uh, Mr. Labardius. Glenn, uh, first of all, congratulations on an outstanding season that also, while you didn't get into a game, included a call-up to the NHL. I want to kind of start there, and then if you don't mind, I'm going to go back a little bit in reverse. Uh, what was that like for you? Um, it was definitely exciting. Um, obviously, like you said, it was my, my first call-up, and uh, I think something I'll remember, it was unfortunate too that I didn't get in the game but even the the warm-up was something um pretty cool and uh hopefully next year uh or even like I said this year if it comes back uh, hopefully I can get into an actual game where do you think you made the biggest strides in year two of pro hockey for you I think consistency I think that was something that um I struggled with my first year just trying to figure out the the American League and, and how it works obviously with the schedule and travel and all that kind of stuff, but I really noticed that, I mean, the guys that were getting called up, and obviously if you're in the NHL, you got to be consistent. So I really noticed that uh, my first year, and I wanted to emulate that into my game this year, and I think I, I did a, a pretty good job of that, and it really helped me, uh, I mean, have some success. Glenn, your road has been a real interesting one. It's funny not to date you or date me. I remember the first time I watched you play, I'm pretty sure – 2011-2012 in Delta. Were you not the captain of the Seafair team in your Western Hockey League Bantam draft year? Uh, yeah, I was. Yeah, um, and I remember I only saw you once that season, um, but I was incredibly impressed. And then you, you were drafted high, um, so you had unbelievable expectation going into junior. For those people who don't know, Glenn uh, went to Swift Current, where he had an unbelievable junior career. You were drafted by St. Louis in mm -hmm. the fourth round, and you went unsigned. When you look back yeah. at that, Glenn, how big a driving force do you think that was for you to help you to where you are today? Uh, it was huge. It, uh, it was definitely, I mean... At the time, uh, about the best feeling uh, being uh, obviously passed over by by St. Louis, and um, yeah, I feel like you can kind of go two ways uh, when something like that happens. You can obviously kind of mail it in and think you're not good enough, or it can feel you to, I mean, be better and do more. And I think going into my 20 year old year after being passed over, it just kind of gave me that chip on my shoulder that I think I needed. And uh, I mean, I was out to prove St. Louis wrong, other teams wrong, and and kind of prove to myself that, um, I mean, I can do this and um, I'm better than what they, they think I am or what I've shown uh, up to that point. Well, I was a Glenn Gladden fan probably from day one, and you represented your country with Team Pacific. You played at the World Under 18, but um, is there any way to properly describe Swift Current's run to the Memorial Cup and just um, how much fun and how challenging it was. And I know this, you were not even close to healthy, were you, at the Memorial Cup in Regina a couple of years ago? Uh, yeah, no, I was uh, unfortunately <laughs> in, the, in the third round um, against Lethbridge. I separated my, my shoulder. So throughout the, the rest of that playoffs and into the Memorial Cup, I was dealing with that. 
What did that playoff run, do you think, Glenn, do for you? Because it was interesting for people who don't remember, arguably maybe the three best teams in the Western Hockey League were in the same division, yourself, Regina, and Moose Jaw. And Moose Jaw finished first. You guys had an unbelievable seven-game series, which you had your hands all over, including an unbelievable Game 7 that I was lucky enough to to be at and broadcast. What what made that group such a special group? And you guys made a lot of changes under head coach Emmanuel Viveros on your way to that title, didn't you? Yeah, and I, I think looking back, um, that might have even been one of the, the best parts was obviously we made a ton of moves, but just how quickly – Everybody, I mean, connected and, and we had that bond. And um, I mean, everyone's bought into our systems, like the, everything you can think of with that group we had. And um, as soon as we made all those trades, we, everyone in the room kind of realized that we had something g- good here. And I think the only thing that was standing in our way was ourselves. So as long as everything was good in the room and uh, off the ice, I, I think the sky was the limit for our team. And obviously, we had to make those moves because it was such a, a deep. Um, our division was so deep and uh, obviously we had to play two two pretty good teams in the first two rounds obviously Regina was hosting and playing them in the first round is never an easy thing and um, I know for myself um, I'd never beat Regina going into that series and we had them 3-1 the year before so it was uh, a big uh, big series um, and I think obviously moving on to Musha and going 7-2 I, I think once we we beat those two teams. We kind of could take a little bit of a breath because we knew we just beat two of the best teams that um, we were pretty feeling pretty confident. Glenn, as far as you win the championship in Swift Current on home ice in Game Six, you won that game three to nothing. Um, it gives me goosebumps actually just asking and thinking about it. Do you, what do you remember about that night, and are you still taken aback by how loud that building was on that <laughs> Sunday night? Yeah, I can still remember it uh, to this day, and um, they actually just replayed the game, I think, a few weeks ago yeah. uh, on YouTube, so so I got to watch it and get some more memories, but no, I don't think I've ever heard uh, a loud arena or the IPlex louder than that night, and um, for my last game at the IPlex uh, after playing five years there to, to win like that. Uh, I can, uh, I mean, dreamt of it any better. And looking back on that year and my whole five years there, I wouldn't have changed anything. I don't know if I've asked you this, but I'll ask you now, you've been a captain or an assistant captain on pretty much every team you've ever been a part of. Where, where do those leadership qualities come from? Uh, I think first off, just kind of the way I was raised. I think uh, my dad, uh, and my mom, but mostly with my dad uh, through sports, kind of did a good job um, raising me and, and kind of teaching me the game. And I thought I've always kind of been a, a pass-first guy. So um, I think that that whole side of it has come from my dad. And then my, my rookie year and, and kind of my earlier years in Swift Current, I was lucky enough to uh, have some good leaders and good captains um, at an early age. When I was 15, I got called up for the playoffs. They had Adam Lowry, who... Obviously, everyone knows how, how good of a player and a leader he was at that time. And then uh, for my next two years, we had Colby Cave, who I think just saying his name now, everyone knows what kind of person he was and uh, what kind of leader. So I was uh, pretty blessed to have, I mean, 
two good leaders at an early age to look up to, and they were more than just leaders for, for those teams. They kind of did it all uh, on the ice and off the ice, so I just wanted to be like those guys. Glenn, because it's not always the case, and being a huge CHL guy that I've been my whole life, um, would you have ever wanted to trade? You know, you're, you're, from, you're from Richmond, that area originally. Would yeah. you ever have traded playing junior hockey in that size of a community with all that it meant to the people in Swift Current? No, uh, to be honest, I wouldn't. Um, I've had, uh, I guess, some time now, especially with this quarantine, to be able to look back. And uh, I, I miss Swift Current, to be honest, uh, from how small of a town it was. You can get anywhere and five minutes uh, it was pretty nice and obviously the people there were great and they treated me well so um no looking back I, I would if I had the choice to go back to Swift Current I would and do you think sometimes there's players who stay away from smaller communities that maybe should embrace those opportunities after would that be something that you would tell someone maybe from a bigger city thinking about whether they should or shouldn't go that route yeah, 100%, I think. Um, Swift Current was the smallest town in, I think, the CHL. I know definitely the WHL. And um, coming from Richmond to a, a place like that, it was a little bit of an eye-opener. But um, I think for, for any junior hockey player, it's an experience that if you have the choice, you have to take it. It's um, like playing in a, for an NHL team in the city. Like You're the only um, game in town. So you go to certain places, you go out, eat you go to restaurants people know who you are and it's a pretty cool feeling for a 16 to 20 year old kid um just to be able to have that and um obviously when you when you win and you have a good team you can see um how invested the fans are and and how special it is when um you can do stuff like that so um for any for a kid or anyone in the situation to to be able to go to a small town i think they they do their homework and really look into it because it can be a lot of fun Finally, Glenn, my last one, and I've probably taken you longer than the other two guys I should have already, but um, after what happened this season, and we're still kind of in this season, how confident are you now that full-time duty in the NHL with the Flames is maybe not that far away for you? Um, Yeah, I think it's exciting, obviously. I think uh, I'm definitely close, so just to be able to say that, I um, it's kind of giving me goosebumps right now too, but I think just knowing that you're close is when you kind of got to uh, work the hardest and kind of dig in that. Um, I think I put myself in a position to, uh, I think I've opened some eyes. So going into to camp next year, it's going to be a big one and I'm really excited for it. Mr. Klein. Uh, a couple more for you, Glenn, from uh, from this side anyway. Um, the You mentioned in there before that you watched some of the, the games that they replayed from your guys' run back in 2018. Are you able to, to relax and watch those? Are you watching with a critical eye, edgy receipt? Well, what's the, the viewing experience like? Uh, well, actually, the, the first game they aired was the, the final against Everett, and um, we had quite a few of the guys from that team get on a, a Zoom call, and we watched it together and talked. So that was pretty cool to kind of rewatch it knowing what happened and guys can joke but the game against Regina they aired a few nights ago I just kind of sat back in my room and watched it myself and obviously I know what happened so you're not too uh antsy watching it but uh it was just cool um 
forgot some things that happened even in the game they they scored Regina scored their first goal kicking it in and I forgot all about it so it was cool just to, to rewatch it and relive those moments and as you get ready for whatever could be coming up here in the, the next couple of months, is there like a, a plan that they send all you guys of what to do to keep in shape or how, how is that process working? Well, they've done a good job with their staff of um, keeping in touch with, with their guys. And uh, they've been sending out workout packages for guys that have workout equipment at their house or that don't. So there's no real excuse to not being able to do anything. And, um, like I said, they've done a great job of keeping in touch and, and making sure guys have what they need. So um, they've done a, a real good job. Uh, Logo has one more for you. Logan? Uh, yeah, Glenn, I just wanted to. I know it's probably a, a tough topic, but I, I'd love to just get your thoughts on your, your former teammate, Colby Cave. Uh, you mentioned him quickly in one of your answers, but uh, I don't know how many people know this, but you were the one who uh, – facilitated Colby texting one of your teammates after uh, a pretty nasty fight uh, in the age in the AHL there and uh, it's been great to see so many I love to see in the pictures in Saskatchewan of all the vehicles lined up uh, sending Colby home I just wanted uh, to give you a chance to talk about your former teammate in Swift Current yeah um, obviously it's a, a really sad and an unfortunate thing I don't think uh, anyone uh, could have imagined this happening and um, yeah, I think we're obviously going to miss him and, and whatnot, but I think I just look back on all, all the positives and all the, the good memories we had in Swift Current and even going against each other this year in Bakersfield, which was pretty cool to do. He was um, up and down this year, and I'm sure he probably wasn't always the happiest to, to be in Bakersfield, but just being able to, put, to play against them and take face-offs and, and little things like that were uh, something that I'm going to remember forever now. Yeah, I appreciate that, Colby. I know, I, or Glenn, sorry, I know it's tough to probably think about Colby, but I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, definitely uh, a difficult situation all around for sure. So thank you for sharing a bit there. We'll we'll end on a, a, obviously a, a lighter note, but you mentioned going back watching some uh, some old games. What else is uh, what else is on the Glenn Godden TV right now? Are you doing any uh, video study of any NHL teams, or are you binge watching Michael Jordan documentaries? What what uh, what else are you watching? Uh, yeah, I definitely binge watched the the Michael Jordan uh, documentary. I thought it was pretty good. I actually think I'm gonna rewatch it just so I didn't miss anything the first time but uh yeah a lot of tv shows um obviously it's been nice that the whl has been airing these old games that i can uh, watch something for two hours and, and i mean kind of waste a day that way but besides that um just the usual netflix um video games here and there or just i mean the news really yeah what games you playing uh i play nba nhl or like uh, a little bit of Fortnite. Nice. So in, in NHL, I'm assuming Glenn Godden has already made the uh, the NHL roster. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, my career, I think. Yeah, I think I did. Uh, I haven't been playing too much. I've been nice. playing a, a little bit more of uh, basketball lately. <laughs> okay, that's fair. The, the Jordan documentary gets us all in the, the basketball mood, so I, I understand yeah. that. Uh, Glenn, thanks yeah. for doing this today. Really appreciate it, and uh, good luck with whatever the next couple of months look like. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
Hey, thank you. That is Glenn Godden. Uh, I'm sure we all uh, agree. Uh, very soon to be Calgary Flames forward. Um, I'm assuming once uh, everything gets back up and running, that will certainly be the case. He joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. They're working hard to reopen soon for sit-down drinks and dining. Atlas Pizza is still open for pickup or delivery by calling 403-248-3344. That is 248 248- 3344. Uh, Lou, uh, a good conversation there with Glenn Godden. And like I said before, that that's that's going to be a guy who's wearing a flaming C on his jersey pretty soon, I would bet. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. Uh, I asked Brad Treleving about him in the conference call today, so you'll hear that in terms of his progression. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I just, I've seen great progression. He's a quality young person and uh, he really cares a lot about winning. And, uh, you know, I love his trajectory right now. He wins face-offs. He's hard to play against. He's got a lot of leadership capabilities. Um, I think I think he's going to be, you know, a good third-line, fourth-line player for a long time in the league. I really do. And Logan, from the the Flames' perspective, this is someone who um, kind of rocketing up a, a lot of people's depth charts, and, and I, I would say one of the players that Flames fans are starting to get a little excited about. Yeah, absolutely. He's a guy that uh, I think you you've probably been watching if you're a Flames fan ever since he got uh, signed by the club after. And Peter mentioned that he didn't get signed by St. Louis, and uh, this is a guy that if you just looking just at the stats, he's. He gets better every year that he plays, and uh, that's no exception to even being in pro hockey now with Stockton. Uh, a good rookie year there and an even better second year uh, that was cut short by all this pandemic nonsense. And uh, mm-hmm. I think the trajectory certainly speaks to the next step being uh, a challenge in the NHL and seeing what uh, he can do there. And I'm frankly excited to see him do it because the guy's been successful at every level so far. So I put money on him being successful at the next level too. Yeah, and uh, I would say that that would probably cash out for you for sure. Uh, definitely a player yeah. that we're all paying attention to. Time for us to take a break here on the show. I uh, do want to remind you guys, one thing that I'm really happy we're doing right now is our Operation Support Local, where you can head to sportsnet.ca slash 960 slash support local to either submit or find a local business to help support. There will be a number of different categories that you can utilize, such as fitness, food and drink, retail, and other services Um, Obviously, this pandemic has hit a lot of people in a lot of different ways, but local businesses could use all the help they could get. So uh, head to, again, sportsnet.ca slash 960 slash support local for all the information with that. Operation Support Local in partnership with our friends at Scotiabank. We're in this together. We will break, as Lou mentioned, uh, the general manager of the Calgary Flames, Brad Treliving, spoke with the Calgary media earlier today. We will hear that conversation next here on Pinder and Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Strange times for sure. Sportsnet 960 The Fan is here for you. No sports, no problem. Pinder and Steinberg continues right now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. 
Still to come on the show today, Peter Labardius is going to ask us questions. Um, it's, uh, again, a segment working title, but uh, wouldn't Lou like to know is what we're going with right now. So we'll have that coming up at 4 o'clock. Your questions always welcome at 960-960 on our text line. We still have one more spot to give away in the virtual hot stove. Jamie claiming the, uh, the first one, getting the Kent Nielsen answer correct. Um, we will have another one coming up. Uh, a little bit after four o'clock. It has become a uh, weekly fixture for media in this city to get a chance to chat with the general manager of the Calgary Flames, Brad Treliving, as uh, not 100% uh, able to tell us everything going on, but he does have uh, a bit of an update as uh, we move closer and closer to the NHL resuming. So here's that conversation. So just, I guess, as the form of of a quick update here, uh, not a lot. I think uh, we continue to sort of watch and read uh, what everything that you guys watch and read about and then read what you guys write about. Um, So um, I still think there's, you know, I guess for for any kind of commentary, uh, and I don't have a lot of it, I think we're, we continue to feel that there's momentum gathered. I I read and and watch um, similarly as you have with proposed um, relaunch and restart um, structures, but we haven't been given any direction in terms of, uh, you know, being finalized. So at this point, nothing is being finalized. I, again, I, we, we sort of follow this along as you have in terms of where the process is at. But in terms of, of any proclamations or any any anything in terms of any final anything finalized, uh, you know, we're we're waiting and, and hoping and fingers crossed that things will get moving forward. Um, so that's that's a little bit of a league update. Um, you know, from from the team side, again, virtually uh, virtually nothing new um, to report. Uh, we continue to. Um, Sort of go through our 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 daily and weekly meetings here, um, whether it be through scouting meetings. I think we're, uh, from an organization standpoint, fairly set here for from a draft perspective. Whenever that may conduct itself, uh, probably a little bit of wrap up to do there. But for the most part, we're 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 dialed in. Um, and like I said, from a from a coaching staff perspective we 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 dialogue with our group there you know almost daily now so whatever <laughs> when we, we get sort of direction um on a relaunch or restart i think our group will be ready to go in whatever direction we need to get going and then probably the last little tidbit i think from this past week is um another uh, sort of an announcement there on on dustin wolf being named the goaltender of the year in the Western Hockey League. So congratulations to Dustin. Well-deserved honor, and he'll uh, move up for CHL goaltender of the year here uh, whenever they announce that award. So that's, uh, albeit a limited uh, update in terms of information. Um, But that's what I got. That's what I got. So fire away if you got anything. Well, Brad, Brad, it's uh, Donna, Canadian Press. It seems like we have to ask your reaction for every incremental piece of information that uh, 
comes out. And last week, I think I asked you about how you felt about the concept of a 2014 playoff. And what's emerged today is within that playoff, potentially having the top four in each conference playoff for seedings. And then I think the other 16 play a, a first round of five, um, like a play-in, I believe. And so just as a concept, uh, how do you, what do you think of that? Yeah, thanks, Donna. I, I mean, we've 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 looked at a whole bunch of different concepts, I guess, since this has started. Uh, I think if if this what what you know if any anything this this time has taught us is to be just be flexible and just sort of be open minded, but more so just wait and see. You know, I don't think we want to get you know too deep into anything until we're until we're given direction. Um, you know, from our standpoint, the general comment would be any any type of format uh, that allows us to get back uh, twofold. Us getting back is going to be meaning that things are moving in a in a in the right direction globally and and you know within locally. So that's always that that's that's step one, and that's real positive. But we would embrace any 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 concept that people feel and and gets approved, whether it be through the through the league, the governors, and the and the players, uh, we'd be supportive and and certainly would would embrace and, and figure it out and, and go from there. So, um, what I found, Donna, is early on I was riding. <laughs> I'm not riding the waves anymore. I'm just going to wait till they tell us what to do. Similar to my wife, uh, just tell me what to do and we'll kind of deal with it. So, uh, so that's what I'm doing right now. We're going to wait till somebody says this is the plan. Not get too you know, too too deep into it until such time as, as something's finalized. Because things have changed. I things as we all know, we're sort of heading down one road and uh, and uh, the road changes. So we're gonna just we'll we'll wait and see. What's your understanding of the order of operations here? We're led to believe that the PA's executive committee is now voting on that proposal that was tabled what a couple of days ago, and 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 then. And then what? Then it's up to the teams to approve it, or tell me what your understanding of the order is. Yeah, I, it's as far as the batting order, Eric. I, I'm I'm not sure where it is to be honest with you. Like I, I just at the end of the day, there'll be a there'll be like anything else. There's a there's a process that the league, um, you know, the owners and and the players all have to agree to. So where that is in terms of you know, I think the league obviously is they formed a resumption to play committee that, that that's been working, you know, really throughout this this time to to create a a return to play program. Right. Here's here's what it would look like. And, you know, you have to vet that through all the constituents. Um, I just like I said, I don't get too wrapped up in the, the batting order here. I just know once everybody. You know, one. I'm not going to burn a lot of calories on it until somebody says this is this is what's going on. But the players have got to be comfortable and sign off. The you know the owners have got to be comfortable and sign off. And obviously the league is uh, facilitating that. So I think that's where it's at. It's somewhere in the process here right now, um, and we're hopeful that we'll get some. You know, we're hopeful that we'll get some direction um in the not too distant future and, and we'll go i think the other piece of it is still you know not to get too ahead of ourselves is there's a there's a there's a, a plan that that 
at some point will be put together, but there's still a lot of questions to be answered, right? So it comes back to what we talked, I think a few weeks ago, the analogy I used, we can make plans to do to go camping in a couple of weeks, but that's, there's other things that have to take place to make sure that we can execute the plan. So um, it's a big step once we get to the, to, to, you know, once a program gets finalized, and then I think there's still a lot of contributing factors that we got to wait to, to get worked out, but it certainly it certainly allows you to plan once you once you get that direction. Brad, you uh, last week you gave us a hint that uh, something like this was going to be coming out this week. Is it exactly as how it was explained to you? Was there any surprises at all in this uh, format? Twenty four teams and and two hub cities. Well, we haven't been given anything yet, Jermaine. Like we haven't. There hasn't been anything official. Um, you know, you're you're sort of always uh, in touch with people and talking about potential ideas, but until it's finalized, I can't tell you exactly how it all flows. Um, I think I would tell you this, Jermaine, um, the assumption, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe the assumption. I think we're all, we all know we're in a different, you know, we're in a different time here right now. So the assumption that things may be different than what our traditional format is. Um, you know, you have to be flexible with that. So I think that was a good assumption that it may not be exactly how we've always operated. And again, I still am not completely, until you get, you know, I, I don't like to speculate what could happen. Um, you know, when we paused, there was still regular season left to go. I know lots of the public debate or lots of the public commentary right now doesn't deal with that but again until such time as that's you know until that's until that's finalized um we don't necessarily know exactly how that's that's going to go because again these you know you've kind of been going down one path before and all of a sudden you're like okay that's something new so i i just i want i want to be careful just not to to venture too far down the road till somebody says okay we're 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 all signed off and this is the path we're going Brad, uh, has the NHL given you any indication as to what they think is going to happen? You know, with the borders being closed, travel being so hard, just how easy or how hard it's going to be to get all of the athletes and all of the team personnel together in in whatever country ends up playing host of it. Well, that's that's a big issue, and you know, I think that's certainly an open item right now. Um, you know, you you. You almost you almost have to go down parallel paths of of number one creating how how if and when we come back how it's going to look and what's the plan going to be and then the other parallel path is all the other boxes that need to be checked and certainly you know getting getting people back and all the different uh, uh, issues uh, that go along with that is certainly something the league is working on and. You know, you just have to stay tuned. As as we've said throughout this process, it's you know it went from day daily to hourly. Things change, so whatever whatever the rules and regulations are today, that's you know there may be changes come tomorrow, a week from now, two weeks from now. So certainly, to answer the question, we haven't that hasn't been addressed at this point other than to say it's it's on the to-do list and uh you know we're gonna have to get people back at a certain time um 
the league's well aware of it. They're they're you know they're they're beavering away at everything like this, and um, and uh, it just it it's it takes time for all the issues to get to get dealt with. But I know a lot, most if not all, the focus right now has been put on okay, what is what would a what would a what would a resumption look like? Once that's finalized, I think then you can try to you can try to check all the other boxes. Brad, um, really I'm wondering if uh, kind of going back to the whole 2014 whole format, was that something that you kind of were adamant at the start, or you know when it came to the the <laughs> solutions? I'm sure there was a, a number of ideas brought forth, and was that something that you were like? that's probably our best option as opposed to say, you know, playing out the regular season and having 16 teams going to the playoffs. Well, you, you know, you think about a bunch of things, Moses, you kind of look at all sorts of different ideas uh, to be perfectly honest here. They do not um, ask my opinion on it. So, uh, you know, they, they don't really, nobody stays awake wondering what I think about this thing. Um, so, um, you know, you kind of look at, you know, you, you handicap it, probably like you guys are doing it saying, okay, you know, how, how, you know, how does it, how, how is it all going to play out? And, you know, for the longest time, I, I, I think there was always that thought that the regular season in one way, shape or form, you were going to try to get some games in. I think as we, as the calendar keeps moving, you know, you kind of look at, you know, is that realistic? We don't know if that's still realistic. It certainly sounds like, um, the, the 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 plan getting a more momentum doesn't include that, but we'll see. Um, and I think probably the biggest thing Moses is just being real flexible. That more than likely, as I said earlier, it's 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 going to be something that isn't quote unquote traditional or or what we're you know what we've what we have in place, and that's fine. Like that's that's okay. We're we're in we're in a we're in a new brave new world here right now. And, and uh, you know, as much as there's always debate on things, you always, I think you probably, um, you know, you come back to the point of if, if the, if the worst thing in our day right now is determining whether there's 24 or 20 teams or 18 or 16 in a playoff, we're having a pretty good day. If that's, if that's the biggest issue on our checklist. Right. So um Let's just control. We control. Let's get our guys. You know, keep them, keep them uh, informed as what as much as we know. Keep them going. Um, and there's still like I find myself you, you, again. You ride this wave, and there's there's good days and bad days, and that's more what I'm concerned is just just talking with the people when you're going through those those bad days because those are you know it's there's frustration, and I think what I found even more now is we went through that that part where you're there's a lot of unknown and there's probably a lot of angst with the unknown now it seems like we're kind of and i'm not talking necessarily just about the league or the teams or the player society in general it almost feels like we're kind of coming through this a little bit and things are opening up and now there's a whole nother sense of sort of angst and anxiety of sort of getting back out and in 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 operating right you feel that with certain people so that's you know at the end of the day between just getting business done that we need to get done and then just talking with folks that may be feeling a little bit of uh a little bit of uh you know anxiety about everything that's 
you know, we're 18, 24, whatever it is, it is what it is. Hey, Brad, I have a question. Just con conceptually, as a, as a GM, is there a, a number of games or a minimum number of games that makes it feel all worthwhile? Like, like eight teams could come back under the rumored model. Eight teams could be done in three games. Are you okay with that? Or with, what, how do you approach that? Yeah, that's a good question, Darren. Um, I don't know if there's a, I guess I'd, I'd answer this and we've, we've talked a lot about it. I'd answer it this way, sort of two, twofold is with the amount of time that everybody's been off and then the amount of time and energy that's going to go into, into relaunching, you know, you want to have enough, enough game. Like you'd hate to have people go through everything and you come back for a game and, and now you're out again. Right. So two is it's, and I don't know what that sweet spot is. Is it, you know, and, and you also know that you're on the backdrop of, you don't have indefinite period of time to get this all in, right? So, you know, if, 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 the, if the rumored, um, you know, what is it, a best of five, that probably seems the fairest. I think I, 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 that, that, you know, I'm, I'm good with that, I think. So that's number one, making sure that there's enough, you know, there's enough, game there to be worth all the effort the players and people are going to make um to to get it the other part to me is if you're awarding a stanley cup it's still got to be there's it, it, it's hard to do that and the the struggle and the the diff you know the degree of difficulty i think is still got to be there you know and you know people have talked and been asked you know at the end of the day is there going to be an asterisk beside whoever wins this? My comment would be, this is the this is the this is where we are in in life, and I look at it as it's going to be certainly different. Somebody's going to win this if we get to that point. And like I said at the at the outset, if we're getting back and playing hockey, that means number one that we're progressing as a you know as a society, which is good, and we're we're. Hopefully, excuse me, we're getting on the other side of this. And at the end of the day, <coughs> we've we've awarded the Stanley Cup under different circumstances, under different times. And whoever wins this is going to be just as happy, just as proud um, for the for whatever you know format they're going to have to go through. And they should be, you know, they should be very proud of themselves for doing it because it's going to be unique, sure, but. You know, everybody's going to have an opportunity that participates in the format to be successful in it. And we've had 48 game winners and I, you know, I, they get rings just like everybody else got when they when they do it. So whatever the format is, we're we're excited to be part of it, hopefully. And uh, and we'll go we'll, we'll go we'll go after it. But that's how I would probably answer it is at the end of the day, I still think when you you to, to, to win it, it's, it's gotta be hard. And certainly with what I read, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a hard yeah, uh, to get through. The asterisk is interesting because I think people forget that in the eighties, there were seven years where 16 of 21 teams made the playoffs and it was a best of five to start. So very similar to the rumored concept. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, you can't compare it to what happened last year or the year, like, again we're in we're in a we're in a we're in a different time like 
Um, hey, getting a haircut in the last few months seems like a, you know, you deserve a medal. So we're, we're you know, small victories, man. Small victories are, are uh, the new age here. So, um, but yeah, we're, we're, and I, again, just knowing the athlete, you know, this is a competitive group of, of, of athletes throughout the league. I think it's going to be, uh, if we're, if we're able to get back, it's going to be exciting and it's going to be competitive and it's going to be, um, I think it'll be, it'll be, it'll be very, very compelling. So some good stuff there with Flames GM Brad Trilliving. Uh We were talking about it off air, guys, that th- this is uh, not something a lot of GMs are doing. So it's great that Brad is providing a few updates. And uh, I like what he said there at the end, Logan, about um, asterisks and, and whatnot. I-, I-, I just think everyone's under the same circumstances, and it's not going to be an easy road to the Stanley Cup. Uh, it's going to be a different one for sure, but uh, I don't think it's one that we need to, to necessarily take away anything from whoever is eventually hoisting the cup if we do get to that point no you're still gonna have to go through you know the traditional number of rounds to get there if you're one of the teams uh potentially you know like the flames you might need more than 16 wins to get there it might take you 19 wins uh to get there you know that's the way it's gonna have to be so that we can have all these teams in there and give everybody the best shot uh, that we can because there's just no time for a regular season and they're you know we have to look forward and move forward with this. If this is the plan to, to finish this season out, then let's give it the best shot that we can. This format seems to, to be one that I haven't heard a, a lot of backlash on, which is you know surprising because the regular NHL playoff format has backlash every year we go into it. So uh, I'm all for getting this underway and you know what, let's, uh, let's see what it is. And uh, hopefully the next thing we're talking about is, you know, safety precautions and where these games are actually going to take place. Yeah, it's, I mean, one step at a time, but it does feel like, as Pat's been saying, for the last couple of weeks, it feels like momentum is building for sure. Uh, we are running out of time to get your T-shirts and masks from heartsandsmiles.ca, all the proceeds helping the Frontline Fund. You have until May 30th. I would recommend the black and red. White and red might be your style as well. Who's to say? Get both. Why not? Uh, but head over to heartsandsmiles.ca. Done amazing work with them so far, helping out the Frontline Fund. So happy that we're keeping that one going through the end of the month. Time for us to take a break here on the program. When we come back, we have a couple things that we need to accomplish. One, we have to give away uh, another spot for the virtual hot stove with Pat, Wilsey, and Lubo coming up on May 28th. And also, Lou wants to get to know us a little bit better. So uh, Lou is going to, to take over and ask myself, Logo, and Riley some questions when we come back. We're learning more about the afternoon show here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Two guys in different spots staying at home, but still talking on the radio. It's a miracle. Pinder and Steinberg is only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. In this case, it's uh, three guys, in I guess four <laughs> guys, in different spots uh, talking at home, and none of us are named Pinder or Steinberg. Uh, welcome back to the show, everyone. Peter Klein, Peter Labardius, and Logan Gordon with you, with Riley Pollock pushing all the buttons back at the station. Riley, haven't gone to you much today. How, how's it going back at uh, Sportsnet 960 World Control? It's pretty good. Haven't worked an afternoon in a while, so, you know, getting all the transitions and such back together has right. been a bit of a battle, but... We're getting better as the uh, past two days have gone on. 
Yeah, and the the main host today is just disaster. So you yeah. you're, you're holding it together as well as you could. Well, and uh, Jeff's been <laughs> in and out, and Jeff always stresses me out because you know he likes to yell. But he was nice yeah. to me today, so that's that's a, right. That's yeah, crazy. Um, I I got a bit of the the Jeff yelling today, but I found in text uh, it's it's a little less um, aggressive because he like. I think all of us will know at one point when Jeff goes, oh, my God, uh, you know that something has gone wrong. But in text, he just put it as OMG. So you can kind of just listen to it as like a, um, it's it's much less aggressive when it just like, oh, my God, instead of the, the regular Jeff. So that was that was nice to have today. Um, coming up once this show is done, it's in conversation with Ron McLean, uh, one of the guests on the show, three-time Olympic gold medalist Megan Augusta on the program today. So that'll be a fun conversation once our show is done. We have a bit of business to take care of. Coming up just May walk 20th. over the other guest, hey? Like the, the bare naked ladies drummer doesn't do it for you there, Klein? Well, no, Tyler Stewart is on as well. I thought I'm going to promote this a couple times, so just hit one now and hit another one okay. later so that I'm spacing okay. it all out, you know? No, fair. There's okay, fair. Method, method to this madness here, for all sure. Right, but fine. yes, no, Tyler Stewart from uh, Bare Naked Ladies. He drums. He also talks. He'll do that with Ron McLean a little bit later on. Um, virtual Hot Stove, May 28th. Uh, Steinberg, Wills, and Labardius are going to be chatting with some of our winners, um, having sat in the uh, literal hot stove lounge uh, a few times. Those are some fun conversations. So a, a great prize here for our listeners. Also, you get pizza delivered to your home, courtesy of Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. So uh, just that on its own is a, a great prize to have. The question that gets you in, answer this one, send us your, your first and last name to 960-960. Um, yesterday was an important day in Calgary hockey history. Why? Give us the correct answer and uh, you'll have a chance to uh, sit in on this virtual hot stove coming up on May 28th. Uh, but right now, we pass things over to uh, to Peter Labardius, who, who wants to get to know us better uh, in, in a segment that, I, again, I'm calling uh, Wouldn't Lou Like to Know? Uh, Lou, take it away. I will. And I can tell you that one of the most unique things that happened to me in my career was... You talked about uh, that fine drummer of the bare naked ladies. Mm -hmm. I was taken aback by the fact that he knew who I was when we met once in Toronto, as opposed to the other way around. Oh, wow. I was absolutely, yeah, I was absolutely, hey, I really like your work. And I, and I felt like saying, I'd really like a piece of your next paycheck. Uh, but, <laughs> in, but, all sincerity he's an excellent guy and then a couple of years ago ran into him again in los angeles at a starbucks um when the flames were in la as part of their california trip and and he hadn't forgotten so he's got a bit of a special place in in my heart Mr. if Schiller only we had a million so. dollars boys yeah <laughs> These days, oh, I'd ask for nice about a hundred. Um, right, so <laughs> you've you've nicely uh, segued, and I'll segue farther because I feel like all the time I've spent on the station, and and I get lots of avenues for people to get to know me a little better, which I'm so good at hiding. Uh, no, 
Uh, I want to get to know you guys a little better. So I'll start with Mr. Klein and I'll ask all of you. Peter Klein, when did you become interested or thoughts about becoming a broadcaster? And was there a particular moment or influence that led you down that path? Ooh, um, to, to pinpoint an age, it was actually pretty early. I, I was about 10 years old, uh, I'll say. And mm -hmm. um, it, was, it was becoming very apparent that A, I loved sports, and B, I wasn't good at them. So I, I was going to need a bit of a different avenue to, to stick with it. And um, that's what, like, just watching games at that point, you're aware that there are people talking while they're on, but it's not really something you think of as a career path. My parents pointed out to me that whenever I'd be playing my, my video games, I was the one who was doing the commentary to the point where uh, the basement door had to get slammed a couple times to tell me to keep it down a little bit. Um, but that, yeah, probably around 10 or 11 was when it was, you know, like you like doing this for your video games. There's a way you can do this and, and get paid for it as well. So that, that's, that, that was it for me. Logan, how about you? I, I, yeah, I don't know that I could, uh, pinpoint a, a certain moment in it. I, I know I've always loved sports and would have always loved to find my way into, uh, doing something that I enjoyed so much as a career, um, but I can definitely say that as far as broadcasting goes, um, I've spent many a night. I've been lucky enough to have uh, a mother and father who, uh, put up with my sports obsession. And I spent many Saturday nights listening to the likes of Bob Cole and, uh, you know, other broadcast people that have had impacts on me, Chris Cuthbert, uh, some of the greats out there that I just remembered always listening to and those voices that you can remember, uh, when certain sports memories come up, that's kind of been the, the biggest thing that I can pinpoint. I can I'll always hear, you know, not only do I remember the sporting event, but I can remember the call I heard uh, when it was like that. And I took a couple of years after high school to uh, decide on what I wanted to get into career-wise before I went into college. And uh, when I found the broadcasting program at, at Mount Royal, it was a, a perfect transition for me. I never really loved school too much, but I can honestly say the time I spent at Mount Royal in the broadcasting program, as my uh, friend Riley will tell you, we spent those two years together, were two pretty phenomenal years and uh, led me to a place that I've enjoyed working for the last uh, four years already. So uh, that's probably what I would say. And how about you, Mr. Pollock, knowing that you are, uh, you're not a Calgarian, correct? That is correct. You, like Mr. Klein, are also, and like myself, are all from uh, the province of Saskatchewan. Yeah, it uh, the Pollock family is a big hockey family. I've I was basically in a hockey rink from when I was born, whether it be you know senior AAA, junior A, SJ. One of my family members were in all those leagues, so it seemed like we always had a game to go to. But uh, up until I was like eighteen or nineteen, I was still holding out hope that I was going to play football at the university level or something like that I was playing junior in Nanaimo so was still focusing on playing as opposed to broadcasting and then that didn't really work out uh, came home to the U of R went kind of towards education because my mom's a principal and thought I could be like a gym teacher an English teacher or something like that but couldn't do math or science so that was tough and uh, my mom kind of just said to me you can remember every stat and every standing from a hockey game, but you can't remember any of this. Why don't you just go into broadcasting? So uh, 
I was like, well, that's a pretty good idea. Left U of R, moved to Saskatoon to go to WABC, but they were full and I was on a wait list. And then I got into MRU and uh, the rest is kind of history. So Riley, since you uh, now, you are, you've been at our station for what now? The better part of a couple of years? Yeah, just over two years, yeah. Okay. Um, could you describe what it was like the first night you had an opportunity to operate Flames Hockey? Oh, it was really stressful. It seemed like there was a lot of <laughs> a lot of buttons to push, but once I figured out that if I follow along Pat's script exactly, it's pretty hard to screw up because Pat has about every second scripted out for the entire thing. So the first couple times were really stressful, but uh, now I get to kind of enjoy listening to the broadcast instead of worrying about what's going on in the commercials or stuff like that. So yeah, it was I was sweating for sure, but now it's all right. So, Peter, you, you, you go through, and you guys obviously share something else as far as the program that you went through. So, how many years now for you? Um, well, I, I, I started working at the fan uh, when it was, I think it was Sportsnet Radio, the Fan 960, uh, when I started working there in 2008. Uh, during college, and so I've been employed one way or another in uh, in broadcasting for 12 years now, with uh, 10 of that at the fan and a, a two-year detour at TSN. Uh, just to quickly um, just touch on what, what Riley mentioned with the, the Flames broadcast thing, um, I remember working my first Flames game the first time I worked here, um, and it was with, uh, with Peter Marr and Mike Rogers on the call, and Rob Kerr was hosting... Uh, pre and post game and stuff like that. And I thought I nailed it. And I was feeling so good after overtime. And Rob said, okay, that was fine. Now here's a list of all the callers who you let on who were drunk. And I was like, oh, I thought I did good. Um, so that was a bit of a, okay, well, still, still some work to do moment for me. What would you say at this point has either been a highlight for you or what have you enjoyed the most during your time, which is hard to believe has already surpassed a decade? Yeah. God, that makes me feel old. Um, uh, you're not. They're, they're <laughs> well, I, I got a few gray hairs that would tell you otherwise. But um, in this industry, you'll do that to a guy, though. Um, the, the one that stands out to me, getting to, to sit cage side at the UFC when that came to, to Calgary a couple years ago now, that was, that was really cool for me. If I, I, you and I have had this conversation a few times. If I, um, if I could only cover one thing, it would be people punching each other. And to, to be able to do that and just be a part of the, the whole experience and sit cage side and just experience that, that was really cool. Um, getting to interview Bret Hart a couple times now um, is, I, I think, pretty clearly a, uh, a highlight for me as well. And just th there was um, a Roughnecks game that we broadcast on the station that I got to do play-by-play -play for. Pat was uh, doing something that night and um and wasn't able to do it so i got to do play by play and it, it wasn't necessarily for the purposes that, that booth was built for uh but to, to be able to to broadcast uh anything on a, a major market station from a broadcast booth in an nhl arena was a pretty cool moment for me so so those are a couple of the ones for sure
Logan, you in many ways, like Riley, are just starting to scratch the surface. So from the first time that you found yourself on the air, what are some things that at a certain point you'd really love to get an opportunity to do? Oh, uh, there's a there's a, a lot, uh, which is the probably the best thing about this industry and loving sports is there's it, you're kind of and especially the nice thing about uh, Kelly that uh, you might not hear nice things about Kelly all the time, but uh, <laughs> Kelly will always give you the opportunity uh, to go out and do something. He'll always find uh, a slot for you to go out and do something if you want to do it. Um, I would have uh, very much loved, uh, I'd love to do uh, an NFL draft uh, profile thing like that. I, I've loved football from a very young age. And um, anything I think, I like uh, the hockey coverage we have is, is always so great. So I always find myself doubting that I could provide any better. So I try to look at areas maybe that we don't cover as much and, and maybe something geared towards NFL or CFL. And it's funny, I always talk so much with Riley and, and our other one of our other great producers, Patrick Dumas, about the CFL and uh, the love that we uh, share for that league is, is kind of fun. And I'd love to, to do something maybe with them CFL-based in the, in the future because I think we could put out some pretty good content out uh, on that league as well. Riley, what I would ask you is when you started the venture, because I know that you and I used to deal with one another when you were at CKRM in Regina, and um, now we've gotten to know one another. I know you've done some hockey play-by-play in the last couple of years at, at a couple of different levels. I, I guess twofold has Working in Calgary and radio on the air been what you thought it might be way more difficult or how has that stood the test of time in the early going for you? It's it's honestly kind of blown my expectations out of the water. When I first got this job, I knew that I was coming in to produce and didn't really know much more past that. It's what I did for the sports cage on CKRM for eight months before I came here and obviously being from Saskatchewan being able to work with the riders and the Pats was pretty cool but coming here just opened I think so many more doors you know I've got to cover the Roughnecks I covered the Grey Cup for 960 this year here in Calgary I've worked with the Calgary Canucks and the Dinos and MRU there's just so many things that I didn't really think about when I moved here that have become possible for working in a big market like Calgary so it's absolutely blown my expectations out of the water in the two years that I've been here, and I uh, couldn't be happier that I made the move, even though it was a, a little difficult to leave once again, but I think I made the right decision. Peter, what areas do you think you've grown the most in as an announcer, and would there be one or two things as far as sports talk radio, because I'd be the first to tell you, there isn't anything I guess I haven't done in my long career, but the challenge of being good on a daily basis in sports talk radio, I think is one of the greatest challenges there is in our business. 
Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. And for me, like I, I got into this wanting to, to do play by play. And uh, I've realized after I didn't fully asked, uh, fully answer the first question you asked about influences. I, I loved the work of, uh, of Bob Cole and uh, Jim Houston as well. And I know a lot of people, uh, when they hear who my favorite team was, assumed it was the hockey thing, but it was actually Jim Houston as a baseball guy who I, I started really liking. Uh, initially, and I've always wanted to do that. And for me, coming into this wanting to do play by play, it, it was easy for me because it's just okay, I'm seeing the thing, I'm telling you what's happening, and I'm going with it. And to, to just like develop a, a hard opinion on literally everything is not something I was used to. And there are some times where I think like looking at both sides of things is a real strength, but in what we do, it doesn't always work because you tend to contradict yourself too many times and it, it just comes across as fence sitting a lot. So that, that's been something that I'm trying to work on. As far as where I've developed the, the most and where I've grown the most, I think um, just as a human being in general, but confidence in this, um, I'm... I'm pretty confident, like, I'll, I'll be stressed going into it, but I'm, I'm fairly confident there aren't many situations I can get thrown into right now that I wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't at least be able to make it sound relatively professional. I don't know if everything's going to be great, but it's not going to sound like a college kid or anything like that. Like, it, it's, it's going to sound all right. So just confidence and being just able to, to adapt to as many situations as I can is where I think I've grown. Who taught you to lead the league in self-deprecation? <laughs> that's um, uh, that, that's one of my one of my few God-given talents. I, I've always I've always been very good at that one. Um, <laughs> he just did it again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll admit, like Stein, Steinberg makes me work for it. Um, I, I got to really push. It's it's a just got to give it a full sixty-minute effort, one hundred and ten percent. But uh, I think I do pretty well. <laughs> Logan. What do you enjoy the most about what you've been able to do? And what's been more difficult about working in radio than you may have imagined? Because you guys, and, and I guess I'd ask all three of you, is, is it not fair to say that from the outside, it looks a lot easier than when you're actually oh. behind the microphone? Oh, God, it's, it's incredibly uh challenging and it's an incredibly different than i think anybody uh understands unless you've, you've been in those shoes and you you know we, we sit there and talk about you know you know filling a small segment of 10 to 15 minutes you know by yourself or without any audio or something it is uh, a daunting challenge for for most um as far as the the question goes the Honest, and this is an honest one, and a, maybe it's a cop out, but the thing I've loved the most is I, I really enjoy the people that I work with. Um, I think I've been really lucky um, in, in every situation from working with Ryan and Pat in the afternoon to uh, doing more with Peter as, as he's come full time over to, to 960 and all the other producers and stuff. I, I honestly can't say um, that I've had a bad relationship with anybody in four years working here, and it's. Uh, something that makes it really fun to come to work and uh, just makes it that much more enjoyable for me. Um, as far as, as what's been more difficult, um, it probably goes back to what you and Peter were saying. And uh, honestly, bringing it every single day, no matter what, and bringing good content to the air when you're asked to is so much more of a challenge than I think people could understand. 
because you really have to block out. Maybe you're having a bad day or, you know, maybe something isn't going your way. The car broke down, something like that that's got you down. Uh, all that stuff can affect you on air and the content that you bring to people. And it's uh, so noticeable uh, when you're when you're off compared to where you're good. You could be good for two months straight on air and that one bad day could be so noticeable. Uh, and I, I always give Pat so much credit for it because, man, he brings it every single day. He brings the energy and the emotion and the opinion to it every single day. And that's something that I think anybody who wants to be a broadcaster or even is a broadcaster uh, needs to work at because I found it extremely hard to, to do that on a, on a daily basis myself. Riley, what do you like the best about sports talk radio? Um, well, I've always had strong opinions on sports and I get to share them, whether it's on air or with the people that I work with in our group chats or anything like that. And honestly, I'm never upset about coming to work. I think that's the best part. I get to do exactly what I wanted to do. And, uh, I'm never like, oh damn, it's time to go to work. I come here and I'm excited. I mean, it's been a little slow these working evenings or weekends these past few months, but uh, when things are going full tilt, there's there's nothing like working uh, a Flames playoff game and doing those call-in shows. Even you know, I'm not even I'm not even mad about those when I'm here till two in the morning, listening to people rip on the Flames like they were last year. But uh, pin- like I don't know if I can pinpoint one thing, but I think overall it's just my excitement to come to work every day. Peter, I'll lay, leave the last couple for you, if that's okay. Yep. When you get up in the morning and you get ready to do a shift, um, you talked about play-by-play. You talked about, you know, your love of whether it's UFC or, you know, martial arts. That's that's a big, big thing for you. Um on a day-to-day basis, what's what's the biggest challenge of, of just getting ready for another day and another shift? And are you your own worst enemy? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think anyone who's had a few conversations with me would know that I, I, can, I can get in my own way uh, a fair amount. So I, I would say I'm, I'm definitely my own worst enemy. One of the, the challenges I've found... Um, and it's, it's kind of progressed here over the last little while. It's, it's kind of accepting that I'm not going to get to watch everything. And it used to be a little bit easier when, okay, I'm just going to watch what's on and that'll be that. But now you can find literally every hockey game from this season on television. And for me, wrapping my head around the thought that on a a 10 game night, I'm only going to get to watch in full a couple of those. Um, was honestly a lot to wrap my head around because I was someone, anything is on TV, I'm going to watch it. And um, I we got to the point here uh, where like our PVR was full of stuff that I had every intention of going back and watching and not just, oh, I'll have it on, but watching with notebooks and taking notes on every, and I mean everything. I have notes on NASCAR races. I don't have a damn clue what's going on in a NASCAR race, but I got notes on them because one day, I might need to know what happened at Talladega in 2008. I don't know when that would come up, but for some reason I still have that notebook. And um, for, for me to, to wrap my head around the, the thought that there's going to be full games that I can access, that I can go back and watch, 
and I'm not going to have the time to go back and watch them, it kind of drove me crazy for a while. And so having that much out there and not being able to, to fully get into it, because I do think that's, that's the best way for me anyway, to, to get ready for shows is to watch these games in full. You can get a lot from the, the condensed games and stuff like that, but to, to sit down and fully watch a game, you, you learn the most from it. And I, I have to have to ease up on that sometimes when, uh, when I'm preparing for a show. Okay. So, I'll ask all three of you one question, and I know we got to run, so as quick as you can, best you can. So far to this point in time, biggest influencer so far in your career, and how come? Ooh, that is a good Logan. question. Logan. Um, oh, man, that's, that's a tough one. Um, I'll give it to Pat for me. Um, uh, I've developed a really good friendship and working relationship with the guy and, um, for him to, uh, I, I think of it as a compliment when somebody tries to make you better at what you're doing and Pat's never afraid to, uh, to lend a helping hand and no matter what you're doing and, uh, to, uh, Pat was the guy that I listened to on Calgary radio for a very long time and was very lucky to be able to get to work with him now. And, uh, he's been the biggest influence on me so far. Well, it's really nice. Riley. Uh, this is not going to be popular in the city of Calgary, but I Don't think I would be. Uh, I know who you're going to say. Be His initials I... are RP. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rod Peterson definitely helped me so much when I first started at CKRM and was always there to tell me what, how to do things if I asked and always got me on air when he could. He got me the job to be the op at all the rider home games for the station, and we still talk quite regularly. So, uh, yeah, it's so far it's got to be Rod, but uh, Pat is definitely uh, a close second place since I've been here for sure. Mr. Klein? Yeah, there's um, quite a few from Calgary, like you for sure. Uh, Pat and Rob were, were huge for me, but um, initially – um, I'll, I'll go with, uh, Jay Onright actually. Um, he and I oh, got to TSN in very, he and I got to TSN in very similar ways with, uh, an internship program and then working on the row. And then he was someone who I could go to and talk to because I was getting a little frustrated that, um, I, I wasn't going to have opportunities of progressing my on-air career the way I wanted to. And he was someone who worked on the row, left, and then was able to come back. Um, I'm still working on the coming back thing. But um, to, to be able to, to chat with him about those things and, like, it's it, it was not an easy decision to, to leave a national TV station at the age of 20. Um, but he was he was someone who talked me through that a lot and also uh, gave me the primetime Klein nickname that I use on, uh, on Twitter and Instagram now. So uh, a very big influence, I would say. Well, guys, thank you very much for uh, giving me and our listeners, and hopefully they have enjoyed getting to know you guys just a little bit better because it's – I've said after nearly 36 years in this business, sometimes, you know, people think by listening to you or hearing some of their your opinions that they kind of know who you are. And I, and I just thought I've been thinking a lot about, hey – I need to get to know these guys a little better. So I'm going to ask them some questions. So thank you for obliging. Oh, thank you. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun to, to go through. It's some stuff that I hadn't really 
thought of before. So to, to be able to, to verbalize it, that was good. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping to take care of. Uh, Greg, congratulations to you, sir, uh, for winning a spot in the virtual hot stove by saying that yesterday was the 40th anniversary of the city of Calgary being awarded uh, the Calgary Flames. I say awarded to someone paid for them. But still, uh, congratulations to Greg. You'll be able to sit in on the virtual hot stove and have Atlas Pizza delivered to you as you enjoy that. So it's going to be uh, a lot of fun uh, for you on that one. So congratulations to Greg. Time for us to take a break. When we come back, had a great conversation with Sam Cosentino earlier today, covered a lot of ground, covered his career, also the, the difficulties of scouting in a, a COVID-19 time, and just some of the stuff that we're missing out on in the, the scouting process. So we'll cover a lot of ground with Sam when we come back here on Pinder and Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Calgary guys staying at home. Ryan Pinder and Pat Steinberg talking sports, pop culture, life, and anything else. Your afternoon diversion is right here. Stream online at sportsnet.ca slash 960. Download the Sportsnet or Radio Player Canada apps. Pinder and Steinberg are on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Well, most of the time they are. Sometimes they take the day off. Uh, that's what Pat is doing. Although Pat was recording things and tweeting from them earlier today. So uh, we'll call it an active rest day for Pat. Peter Klein and Riley Pollock. I kind of chuckled, Riles, as uh, that intro was playing. It was two Calgary guys. Like, well, it's two Saskatchewan guys yeah. staying at home. Well, one of us is, and the other's in the studio. So it's like, eh, close. Yeah, that's, uh, it lied for sure today. Yeah, but, uh, totally. It's, that's okay. You know, two Sass guys can, can take care of this, right? Yeah, exactly. We can, we can handle this. I, I think it's been okay so far. We, we've been handling it and only 23 minutes for us to screw up, which I already have by going too long on this intro. Yeah. Um, so, uh, coming up after the program today, we have in conversation with Ron McLean, uh, chat with three time Olympic gold medalist Megan Augusta and bare naked ladies drummer and Peter Labardius fan, Tyler Stewart. So we have that coming up at the top of the hour, but had a great conversation with Sam Cosentino today about, uh, the NHL draft and some of the difficulties surrounding it with COVID-19. So uh, here's that conversation now. Now, as far as the draft is uh, is concerned, is this still uh, Lafreniere's world and we're all just living in it, or has someone taken over that number one spot? No, Lafreniere's the guy. I don't think there's any question about that. I do think, though, that there's going to be some drama created by what happens after Lafreniere's pick. And, you know, a lot of people think Quentin Byfield was the guy who was cemented to be in that spot. I was a big believer in that for a long time, but over the last month or month and a half, and just with some of the conversations that I've been having, I'm not so certain that that's going to be the case now. I think the German, Tim Stutzler, has really kind of made his way up the charts, and he seems to be the guy now that uh, is is looking to be maybe the number two pick. So that's going to be a fun part to watch. That's going to be some of the exciting uh, part of this uh, draft because typically you think about all oh, who's going to be the top guy. Is it Hedman? Is it Tavares? Is it Tyler? Is it Taylor? Well, in this particular situation, we're looking at Lafreniere and then who? Byfield, Stutzla, Drysdale, Raymond, Holt, so on and so forth. So that's going to be the fun part of, of the conversation here moving forward. So uh, Byfield potentially moving down, is it more what he hasn't done or what others have done? Well, I think it's a little bit more about what others have done, but I think there is a cautionary tale there because when I look at Quentin Byfield, I look at a guy who I think is a little bit immature. And I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but what I mean to say by that is that his ceiling is probably higher because even physically, as big as he is at 6'4", 215, I think he's still got a lot of ways to go to build even 
height, strength, and muscle onto that frame already. And so then I look at a guy who I think, you know, he's been kind of sheltered and he's been the best guy wherever he's been and hasn't had to face a ton of adversity yet. And so I think that in small part makes him immature from the mental side of things. And again, I don't say that to be disparaging. I say that because it's a cautionary tale to say, hey, teams, if you're going to bypass this guy, just be certain that his ceiling might be higher than what you project to be based on some of that immaturity. Now, with the the evaluation process, obviously there's one last piece of this puzzle that's missing, and that's no Canadian Hockey League playoffs and and no Memorial Cup. Uh, Not every prospect would have been in those games, obviously, but how tough is it to evaluate without that that last little piece in there? Well, you know what, Peter? I'd I'd say two things that are also... um... A very remarkable at this time of year when it comes to scouting, and that would be the under-18 Worlds. That's mitigated somewhat uh, by this draft class because there's so many late 01 borns who those players would not have been eligible anyway, but some of the other ones who are true 2002 borns might have had that opportunity, especially a guy like Damon Hunt who plays in Moose Jaw who was injured a big part of the year. Justin Barron in Halifax who missed the, you know, sorry, he's a late birthday, but guys of that ilk who might have missed time throughout the year would have had the opportunity to play in that event. And then you have the NHL combine that's missing as well. So that's where, you know, general managers tend to be able to get face-to-face with players. Yes, they've had Zoom calls and FaceTimes and all that, but it's not quite the same as being able to read the body language and look at a player eye-to-eye, face-to-face. So those are also two key events missing. Now, getting back to the Memorial Cup, getting back to the CHL playoffs, Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime you get an opportunity to watch players in high-leverage situations, you want to take that opportunity. You want to see how they respond when they're banged up a little bit, when there's adversity in front of them and those types of things. And that's what the playoffs typically presents um, to the scouts. So, And a guy that I'll kind of earmark and go backwards a little bit is Quentin Byfield. I mean, you look at him at the World Juniors. He started out at camp as being a guy who was probably a top-six guy by the time the World Juniors had ended. I don't even know if he played a minute in the, in the gold medal game. So you're looking at a guy who, you know, then goes to the prospects game. He's just okay there. He's not outstanding. I think it was a good time for him to get in that showdown against Lafreniere. Didn't really do much in that game. So when it comes to high leverage situations, such as the playoffs, such as the under 18s, you want to see players perform in those events. And I think maybe a, a, an average grade for a guy like Byfield in situations like the world juniors, and the top prospects game. So definitely those are important times to evaluate. In conversation with Sam Cosentino here on Pinder and Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Logan? Uh, Sam, I'm curious as to what you think uh, the impact of a potential later draft might have on some prospects potentially making a jump uh, immediately from their draft year into the NHL. I don't know how many of the prospects you would feel Maybe outside Lafreniere had a chance to do that, depending on where they get drafted, obviously. But can you see a later draft maybe having an impact on some of those teams, maybe being hesitant to, to draw a guy right into the lineup with less time in their system? Well, it's funny you say that because there's, it's, it's a two-sided coin. Uh, but the way I look at it, there's probably only a handful of guys that would have been able to make that jump in any event. But there's one way to look at it and say, well, we haven't had enough time to show scouts. The flip side of that is if you happen to have some resources and you happen to have some good guidance with your personal people and your personal trainers, you might be able to take advantage of that time and build yourself a better body, a stronger body. You might be able to, with lower body work, make your skating better. You might be able to stick handling on fake ice 
improve on all those areas and you might surprise some people when you go to camp. So I think it is a two-headed coin. The other thing that you have to consider here is what kind of rules are going to be put in place by the National Hockey League based on when this, this draft takes place. Now, if you're a team that drafts a player like a, like a Raymond or a Holtz, for example, and you think that player is good enough to come over right away, is it a situation where you have the agreement? Is the agreement going to be allowed, allowed to, to be enforced? Willie have already started a season um, playing in the Swedish League. So those things all have to be taken into consideration and way, way above my pay grade voice. <laughs> uh, you actually mentioned the, the next name I was going to mention was, uh, was Lucas Raymond. I'm curious if there's still a, um, an added value for a young man to play in a league like the SJHL. Uh, in, you know, sort of above his age group. Do NHL scouts still see that as an advantage heading into a draft, or are they okay seeing, you know, Canadian content or players against each other at the junior level? Well, some of these guys are tweeners, especially those that play in Europe. And I think Raymond was exactly in that situation this year. And there are circumstances, maybe team situation, where the team's a little bit better, it's a little bit older, and so they can ill afford to play their younger guys as much as they would have liked. So they don't get the kind of playing time. So it was very intermittent, especially for Raymond, whenever he was in the SHL. A guy like Holtz played a little bit more regularly at about 10 minutes per game, more third-slash-fourth-line minutes, but still Mm -hmm. a little bit more to kind of get a read on on what he's able to do against men. So when I look at that situation for Raymond in particular, you would have surely had to do your due diligence on him going back to Valenka Gretzky when playing against his peer group and also in the rare situation where he was able to get minutes in the SHL. But you also have the World Juniors. You know, there are some events there uh, that if you really pick and choose and and you've scouted accordingly, that you should have been able to see him plenty enough, uh, you know, in key situations. Uh, Speaking with Sam Cosentino, talking all things about a potential NHL draft. Uh, now that me and Peter have gotten our uh, questions out of the way, the main event, of course, now, Mr. Lubardius, uh, you're all in with Sam. Yeah, I don't know Sam very well. Um, maybe I can ask <laughs> a few questions uh, acquainted. Uh, I remember you and I uh, being in the car together after last year's draft last summer, and I think, uh, you know, you were the first to point out, we talked, we'd both seen the Halenka gretzky tournament in Edmonton the previous year, and both had a pretty good feeling that first round, you'd have to go a long ways for teams not to end up with a pretty good player. Now, I know we didn't get to see it in earnest, but you probably don't feel a whole lot different about this class. No, I I love this group. And I think in part, Pete, because you're looking at, especially in the high end, plenty of late 01s. So it's like, you know, those guys have had their extra year or those extra time to be able to make that impression upon scouts and maybe play internationally in some different situations than your regular born birth class. So if you can have those situations early on in your career where as an underage player, you're playing uh, above your age group and still have success. That's usually a good mark, and it sets the tone for how you're going to be scouted moving forward. And I think what you would make crystal clear, too, and this hasn't always been the case, but this is a really, really good year for players 
in our country of Canada, which hasn't always been the case the last few years, has it? No, it's been a, it's been of a, a bit of a dip and a dive. And, and a couple of things back to there, Pete, is you look at you know the number of Canadian players, and then if you were to break it down more to specifically about players that played in the Canadian Hockey League in each of the three leagues, you would have been able to pick out a year in, in maybe the last five where you say, oh, wow, that's a really strong year for the Dub, or that's a really strong year for the Q, or the Ontario Hockey League had a lot of success in this particular year. When I look at this year, the 2020 uh, draft, now I'm thinking about, oh yeah, the Dub. Hey, there's some guys sneaking up on you there. You look at Braden Schneider and Ridley Gregg. Um, you talk about Damon Hunt. Is he going to be that guy? Jake Neighbors uh, out in Edmonton. Um, so you're talking about a lot of, of high-end guys. And then I go to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. You think about Maverick Fork and Hendricks LaPierre and Justin Barron, and the list moves on from there. And you can say the very same things about what's happening in Ontario, um, you know, with the likes of Jamie Drysdale and Quinton Byfield and so on and so forth. So this is a year for me, maybe the most that I can remember in, in the years covering it, where you're seeing great balance between the three CHL leagues and in numbers as well. And so that's uh, something I'm really excited about for sure. Now, I'm not going to get you to give away any of your trade secrets. You've done such an amazing job since you've been in that role and since the draft has become a big part of what you do. But I would ask this, my friend, are there one or two players that I wouldn't say took you by storm this season in your viewings and in your preparation? But would one or two guys come to mind when I ask you that question? Uh, a couple of guys. So Dawson Mercer would be the first one. I knew he had a good year last year in Brownville. I knew he was playing more back of the bus. So for him to have a good year, you know, really took something for him. But I liked his awareness, his intuitiveness, that when he came back this year, he basically said, you know what? Yeah, I don't want to live on last year. I was on a good team, and so everyone's going to think that I got my numbers based on me playing on a good team. He took the approach to say, like, hey, even without some of these older guys around, I'm really good, and I'm going to show everybody that I'm really good. And for him to go out there and impress and make the World Juniors, huge accomplishment. And then the year he had getting to meet the young man just to see how passionate he is and how happy he is and the kind of countenance he presents, awesome. So he's one guy. Another guy who I was really impressed with, I think, is Jake Neighbors. Um, had the opportunity to speak with him. He grew up in kind of an interesting family situation and is open about the divorce of his, uh, you know, his mother and father and how both sides have found a way to have common ground where they can still get along and, and have been able to kind of show him and, and provide him with what he needed as a young man growing up despite the difficult family situation. And so when I look at his game, it's got a little bit of that. And you and I talked about this the other day, Pete. You call it a Mike Richards-esque type of game. But I look at a guy who's got a game that I think really plays now. You're talking about a guy who can bump and grind, who can get under your skin like Matthew Kachuk, which is a guy that he's proud to say that he um, looks at as an idol. Yet he has the ability to score. He goes to dirty areas. You know, he skates pretty good. So there's a lot to like about that particular player. So those were two guys for me that I think really jumped out this year. Um, but, Pete, you know, a lot of what I base my stuff on is, is getting just to shake a hand, look a guy in the eye, you know, speak face-to-face -face with them and, and get a real sense of what the person is all about. And then once you make that determination on what you feel about the person, then you can look at the player and, and, and make that judgment and, and make that judgment without being clouded by something that 
you know, that might take you away from what he does on the ice. Okay, so now I'm I'm going to get more to you, if it's okay. Sam, Sam and I did our first Memorial Cup. <laughs> we did our first Memorial Cup together in 2006. And, uh, you know, we're really, really good friends. And I'm so proud of this guy and, and what he's done. And he should be in Kelowna calling another one right ah. now. Um, and, and, again, I don't like to bring up bad things. But um, when that journey outside of you still tell people that the first game we do, did together was an American League game in 04, and you said you thought I was ready to stab you that night, that's not completely <laughs> true by any stretch. Somewhat. But, well, anyway. <laughs> but um, you know, you've been doing such a great job with it since 2006, which is in Moncton. Um, can you believe how many years have gone by and would you have ever imagined the impact that being the color analyst in the Canadian Hockey League and what it's meant to your world? Well, it's, it's meant everything to me. It, it really has because, um, you know, there was a time there where I was doing some lacrosse and doing some baseball and still being able to do the CHL games, which is the original reason why I committed full-time to Sportsnet some 15 years ago. Uh, but to be perfectly honest with you, the, the way it's worked out and the reason why I think I, I have such a good network of people across the CHL is, is all the stuff that you taught me. And, and I don't want this to be, you know, a kiss-ass session or whatever else, but, but you know, for you, Peter, and for you, Logan, to get introduced to Pete in the American Hockey League, which, quite frankly, I didn't really know what it was, to get introduced to the Western Hockey League, which I knew what it was but hadn't been ingrained into it whatsoever, and for Pete taking me along on those rides to say, hey, man, you better go to practices, you better go to games, even when you feel awkward about it, you better go down and talk to coaches and talk to as many people as you can. So taking that cue and, you know, traveling early and making extra drives to go and watch games or practices when you probably didn't have to do it, those were all important steps in, in kind of creating, um, you know, what it is I do today with the draft and, and my work in the CHL. So you, you've played a much larger part than that, Pete, than you ever wanted to admit. But the fact of the matter is you instilled that work ethic into me, especially in areas where I wasn't really comfortable. You know, I knew about baseball. I'd been around baseball my whole life. It was easy to talk to people in that game. Lacrosse, the guys are all like you and I, so it's easy to talk to people in that round. But getting into the CHL and the AHL where things were uncomfortable for me, um, you, you were a guy who kind of forced me to go and, and do the due diligence. And I think that's why, you know, it's been able to kind of morph into this drafting. So I want to thank you for that. But... It, honestly, the, the CHL has meant everything to me. It's, it's unbelievable people who are underpaid, who work extremely hard, and uh, a bunch of amazing owners, general managers, coaches, scouts. Uh, I can't uh, you know, thank you enough for introducing me to that world and, and telling me how to go about my business the right way because, uh, boy, I don't ever want to think about uh, the days where I'm not able to do it. And, and luckily enough, we're, you know, we're still able to, to, to do it and be a part of it, and I'm thankful for that. Yeah, well, I mean, you're being far too kind because for those people who don't know Sam, uh, in all my years of being around the sport, I'm not sure I've ever seen someone have two things that he has. I've never seen anybody who maybe wasn't exposed to the game like some other games pick up the game as quickly to be able to analyze it, to break it down, and more importantly... Um, this guy's likability meter is off the charts. Unlike me, who could 
rub somebody wrong in a in a one car parade. This guy, this guy never. This guy just his likability factor, and there's a reason he's been able to take this venture and do such incredible things. I want to ask before we go um, the Memorial Cup itself. Now there's there's so many memories, and I say to people, um, for me personally, and I don't even know if I've ever even ask you this question we've been friends for a long time now um for me there was just nothing ever like that feeling on the saturday night in anticipation of the final sunday and knowing that we were going to get a chance to broadcast it to the country and all that work and all the culmination for you now which would have been i think number 15 or number 16 is there something that just stands out, my friend, about what you've enjoyed most about that part of your job? Well, you know, working in the CHL, the numbers aren't always the greatest. The respect the property is given isn't always the greatest. It's not always on the, you know, on the front of everyone's mind. So the Memorial Cup is a time when, you know, you can take that and it becomes a frontline event and it becomes something that people pay attention to and it becomes a, a property that gains some respect, although it should have that respect all, all year round, but it does have it more prominently during those two weeks in May. So I enjoyed that part of it because I enjoy telling the stories of our young men and telling the stories of our great coaches and where they've come from and where they've gone to and telling stories about uh, adversity and, and about trying to not only entertain people with the games that we're showing, but inform them as well hey do you know this about that guy or did you know this about that player do you know what happened to this guy so i enjoy that part of it being able to tell the stories of of the great people um, in the canadian hockey league so that part has been supremely enjoyable but having that feeling you know before the final where you're trying to analyze and you're trying to uh, handicap it and prognosticate hey what's going to happen and then you go out and you get something entirely different from what you expect or you kind of roll back on the, on, the, on the games throughout the course of the week, and you're like, I can't believe this happened, or, you know, all these these things that over the course of the week when the story builds to the final game that have actually taken place to get you to the final game. And that's probably the part we miss, we miss most. But to be perfectly honest with you, Pete, it's like you talk to a hockey player who's retired, and what do they tell you is the thing that they miss most? They tell you that they miss the room. They miss the guys. And honestly, what I miss most, as much as being in Kelowna is a fantastic place, what I'll miss most this year is not being able to have a beer with the guys after the game and a great night's work and being able to shake everyone's hand or pat them on the back and say, hey, thanks for the great replays, thanks for the direction, the producing, all those sorts of things. It's about being with the group of guys and having that experience, and that, uh, men and women for that matter, and having that experience with them. So you have someone to go along on the ride with, and that's probably what I'll miss most about uh, this, which would have been my 15th.
So there you go, some great stuff with Sam Cosentino. And any chance we get to have uh, Sammy and Lubo on the air at the same time, I, I think you would all agree that we, we should be taking that. So thank you to them, thank you to Logo, and thanks to Riley for producing the show today. couple reminders, um, Operation Shop Local, head to sportsnet.ca slash 960 slash support local. Um, that a, a bunch of uh, local businesses, you can see what you need and how you can support local businesses here in Calgary during some tough times. And heartsandsmiles.ca, shirts and masks are available until the end of the month. All the proceeds going to the Frontline Fund. We've done amazing work with them so far. Really proud of that. Uh, not many times in my career will I be able to throw to Ron McLean, but coming up next, in conversation with Ron McLean, with Megan Augusta and Bare Naked Ladies drummer Tyler Stewart. Have a great weekend, everyone, and we'll catch up with you on Monday.